Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, depending on where you're listening and when you're listening. Thank you for listening. We're your young guns. I'm Boris. And as always, I'm joined by the one, the only, Matt. Thank you for that uh, warm welcome, Boris. Uh, Yeah, it's a top 94 list. Your favorite, the gimmick that uh, draws so well. Uh, Yeah, thank you if you listen to part one. And uh, hopefully you'll have some fun listening to part two. We're not going to dilly-dally too much in this intro because there's a lot of dilly-dallying to get to, my friend. A lot of diddly-dallying and a lot of diddling, some more daddling. There will be no diddling, some daddling, a little babbling, uh, such as the intro. You know, this episode, as Matt mentioned, is the top 94, but there's going to be a couple interviews in the middle. One interview is with the host of Work Rate Podcast, Mike Fenn, and the second interview is going to be with Zane66 from Dark Side of the Elite. Good, fun chats. Matt, I think we're just going to jump right into it. Yeah, absolutely. Let's get into it. Pitter-patter. Let's do this. Uh, match number 94, another example of good storytelling in a Crazy Ken Shamrock match. Crazy Ken Shamrock versus The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, WWF Intercontinental title, Royal Rumble 1998. Ken Shamrock, you see, he he gets angry, and then you better watch out, because he'll beat you up real good. That's that's what he'll do. Yeah. That, that's his gimmick. That's, that's and it. don't sleep with his sister. <laughs> or talk to her, or be in the same room as her, because you're going to get fucked up. Yeah, but yeah, this was this was classic babyface version of insane Ken Shamrock. Yeah. And as a babyface or heel, this character really worked. He was very, very entertaining. I like And him. this is when The Rock was really playing the role of, hey, I'm second fiddle yeah. in the Nation of Domination to Farouk's eyes, but everyone knows that I'm the actual leader. Exactly. I'm the, I'm the, I'm the boss. I'm the big dog in this yard, big dog. Um, <laughs> yes. Match number 93. The Big Show versus Brock Lesnar. Winner gains entry to the Royal Rumble. The uh, kickoff match to Royal Rumble 2003. Not pre-show, but the opener. Yep. Um, yeah, you know, I like Brock Lesnar and Big Show. I More on this later, I possibly am the only one who rated the, the, the Brock Lesnar-Big Show match as highly as I did. Uh, I think this is a good combo, and young baby Brock Lesnar throwing this guy around is, is, is a treat. Yeah, yeah. I actually think their Survivor Series match in 2002 was better. But uh, this is a good little match. I remember that match better than this one. Yeah, uh, it was it was like a it was like a fast forwarded version of that match. Basically, yeah. this one was uh, match number ninety two, cruiserweight open from Royal Rumble two thousand six. This is Funaki versus Gregory Helms versus Jamie Noble versus Kid Cash versus Nunzio versus Paul London. God, I miss Paul London. Whatever happened to him? He was in Lucha for a bit, Lucha Underground. Who knows? Oh man, I hope he comes back. I want to see him in AEW. I hope he Kid still Cash is someone I, I I miss. Kid Cash was really good too. I look at this. Let me read these six names again. Paul London, awesome. Kid Cash, awesome. Jamie Noble, we've already said, awesome. Nunzio, little Guido, great wrestler. Yeah, awesome. Gregory Helms, the Hurricane, Sugar Shane, Sugar Shane, baby. The worst wrestler in this match, who's also very good, is probably Funaki. Best commentator, though. Best commentator by far, who's ever lived. 
excuse me. But yeah, this this was a fun little cruiserweight open. Fell into the cruiserweight WWE trap of not having any time. Yep. Finish comes out of nowhere. Could have gone 15 minutes longer, 10 at least. But good little enjoyable wrestling package. Speaking yep. of, match number 91. The artist formerly known as Gold Dust, accompanied by Luna Vachon. Versus Vader, Royal Rumble 1998. Yeah, this is S&M Gold Dust. s Forever Unchained Gold Dust. Yep. But you know what? I love this match. This is a little hard-hitting, little brutal affair. Vader wins clean with a gross Vader bomb. Fun opener to a good yep. little Royal Rumble 1998 show. This was the culmination of their feud, because I remember at the Raw, the infamous Raw, where there was the finger poke of doom for the European belt. Um... This is when SNM Goldust was out telling uh, a Christmas story. Oh yeah. And then Vader comes, but he's Santa. Vader Claus! Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's time. That's it's time. Yeah. We that, have to re- review. Yes, yeah. The, the, the delayed Christmas show, which will happen at some point. Uh, hopefully before next Christmas. Anyway, yeah, so that was 91. Match number 90. Here's a hidden gem for you. The Barbarian versus Big Boss Man, Royal Rumble 1991. Hook this match to my veins. I love the Barbarian. I think he's tremendously underrated. They they do two finishers. They do a finisher kickout in this match. A rare mid-card 1991 finisher kickout. The Big Boss Man takes the Barbarian's top rope clothesline. Nobody fucking kicks out of Who that Who booked move. this? Tony Khan? Yeah, right? Am I, are you serious? <laughs> Cody Rhodes? What are you doing? He's, he's six. Yeah, but no, yeah. Uh, Big Boss Man kicks out of the Barbarian's finish. Big Boss Man wins clean. He's put over. Barbarian fucks off to a different territory. It's pro wrestling the way it should be, Boris. Yep. Awesome hard-hitting match between two bulls. Speaking of two bulls, match number 89. Big Show versus Mark Henry versus Daniel Bryan in a steel cage. World Heavyweight title, Royal Rumble 2012. It's Daniel Bryan sprinting away from these monsters for, you know, 15 minutes. But goddamn if it's not a it's not a great time. Uh, also of note, they had the weird, annoying red cage in this match. Why yes. did they ever introduce that? And thank God that it went away. It did it go away? Is the cage still red? It depends what brand. Oh, God. I, I, I never want to see a Raw cage match again. Uh, match number 88. Becky Lynch versus Charlotte Flair. Royal Rumble 2016. Do you remember the days when Ric Flair interfered on behalf of Charlotte? Yes. Those were fun. Those were fun. Those were fun. Moving on. <laughs> match number 87. Jeff Hardy versus Randy Orton for the WWE title, Royal Rumble 2008. Now, this was a really cool little feud. It elevated Jeff Hardy, but the problem is it didn't elevate him enough. Yep. It's like he needed to win a couple matches. He needed to win the title here. He got it eventually. But this was the time almost. And, and this was an example of them booking a, a WWE title match with somebody that they had absolutely no intention of winning yep. the title. That's the title. How, how often does this happen? And it's not to say that it's not a bad thing, but I just feel like when we get a guy who doesn't deserve the title, he, it's kind of like to the point where um, it, the match just suffers. Yeah, right? it definitely suffers. All right, match number 86, John Cena versus Randy Orton for the WWE World Heavyweight title. This was the unified uh, big gold belt and old school WWF yeah. title. Uh, was Royal this Rumble- like the, 
369th time that they face each other? Yes, 364th to be precise. All right. I, I don't know. Royal Rumble 2014, the crowd fucking hated this thing. They turned on it badly. I thought it was a better match than they acted. Uh, both guys worked really hard. They tried to have a world title match. The, the crowd was having none of it, but they begrudgingly got into it at the end. Uh, it's very entertaining. It's worth watching once just to see the crowd kind of turn on it. But I thought the crowd was kind of being smarky here. I, I thought they uh, they gave it too much hate. 14 to 16, the crowds just hated everything. Yeah, they were really having none of it. Match number 85. This is one that is buoyed by the storyline and the promo before and after. Bret Hart and Owen Hart versus the Quebecers. WWF Tag Team title, Royal Rumble 94. You want to take this, this one for a second? See, this match hurts me because my brother was the biggest Quebecers fan. Like, the biggest. The biggest. I, I thought you were going to say Bret Hart. <laughs> no, the biggest Quebecers. And Bret Hart. The biggest <laughs> yeah, Quebecers fan. That's awesome. So I'm like, it's all about the hearts. The hearts. Owen's going to win it because he's the best heart. Blah, blah, blah. You know, he, he really invented the sharpshooter. <laughs> Oh, that's so um, but yeah, I was so heartbroken when the uh, the injury angle, right? Yes, yeah, absolutely. So yeah, if you don't recall the story of this match, Bret Hart goes the entire way. He doesn't tag in Owen, but he's very beat up. His his knee is banged up, and he can't he can't quite do it. And eventually, this match actually ends via ref stoppage, and the Quebecers are awarded the WWF Tag Team Titles. I guess they were the champions coming in. But yeah, this is the famous post-match promo where Owen Hart turns on Brett, kicks him, and then cuts cuts the famous interview where he kicks his leg out from under his leg. Yep. And says the word leg about six times in 15 seconds. But yeah, uh, good storyline, good match. Not a ton in the ring because it's basically just Bret Hart selling and getting beaten down. But you know what? Still good. Uh, match number 84. We're going with the 2019 Women's Royal Rumble match, the second Women's Royal Rumble from Chase Field in Arizona. This is the one won by Becky Lynch, which is, I can you off the top of your head, can you name me another moment from that match right now? Go. Becky Lynch not being in the Rumble and taking someone's spot. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Now, can you name me another one? Uh, yeah, that's the problem. So this was a really good match when you watch it back. It was very entertaining, but it, it didn't really stick with you the way that some Royal Rumbles did. One example of that, Boris, and the last match... In our tier of three out of five, the Royal Rumble 1997 from the Alamo Dome. It'll stick with you. It's the one where Stone Cold's looking at his watch over and over. The one where he gets eliminated, but the referees don't see it. He sneaks back in and beats Bret Hart and starts his slow climb to the main event where he fucking belonged. Stone Cold Steve Austin. Which sets up Final Four in your house in February, which sets up a cage match after that. Yes. And I love, you know, I love that Raw when it was the cage match with Bret Hart and all of them because the match was going to start the show. And I forget the details, but someone gets attacked, match doesn't happen. Middle of the show, someone gets attacked, match doesn't happen. Then it finally happens in the main event. And this is like, that's the storytelling I love in one night, right? Like one continuous spot. You know, I'm going to play Fantasy Booker right now with you. Yes, do it. This is the thing. I would love to see a Raw or a SmackDown. Raw, because it's three hours, where you announce a ladder match, you know, for the title. Yeah. And it kicks off the show. Get the big ratings to start the show. Something happens. Ladder breaks or something happens. The match has to happen. You then continue the match in the middle. You then continue, like, throughout the entire night, because the match doesn't end. 
till they get the ladder. It would be. It's too bad that the twenty four seven title is such a is such a waste of everyone's time. But they can do that with a falls count anywhere match or like yeah. a hardcore match. That would be pretty cool. But yeah, so that was the last match, nineteen ninety seven Royal Rumble in the three out of five tier. We are now moving on to the next tier. These are three and a half. Elimination out of five matches. These are 70%. This is now a B by the Canadian grading system. And these are officially good wrestling matches. Matches that I would tell you are good. To your face, I would. Match number 82, the 1989 Royal Rumble from Houston, Texas. Gorilla and Jesse. It's the first time they ever did a tag team entering at one and two. It's the second Royal Rumble. So they didn't wait very long to bust that gimmick out. (laughs) But uh, yeah, it just uh, this, the stars in this match are wild. This is arguably the most star-studded field in Royal Rumble history if you go back and look. Bret Hart, Macho Man, Hulk Hogan, all these guys. Yeah, um, just, uh, just a really good, fun, 1980s in a nutshell kind of match. Uh, moving on, 81. 20 years later, we're going to the 2009 Royal Rumble match. From the Joe Louis Arena in Detroit, Michigan. This was the first one that Randy Orton won. I like the Randy Orton and Legacy working together in this. It's very yep. fun, very fun Royal Rumble. Brought down by the fact that the roster was dog shit in 2009. Uh, match number 80. Continuing the string of Royal Rumbles. Royal Rumble 2000 from MSG. This is the one that the Big Show actually won, but The Rock technically won. Yeah. Or maybe it's the other way around. But you feel me. Uh, yeah, The Rock's name is in the is in the record books. But Big Show, uh, Big Show won this one. And, uh, you know, there's a really funny promo uh, down the road where The Rock talks about how his life blossomed from this moment. And if only The Big Show would have won, it could have yep. been him in The Mummy Returns and all that stuff. That was a, one of the classic new Rock promos. But, yeah, a, a fun match. Uh, possibly the most memorable thing is uh, Kai and Tai and the Mean Street Posse continuously running in and Takamichi Noku almost fucking dying on one of his eliminations. I remember this. That was disgusting. He does a full front flip over the top and lands face the fuck first on the mat. It was everywhere on on Instagram on Sunday. Oh, yeah. It was crazy. Absolutely. I love seeing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel you. I feel you. Match number 79, the 2013 Royal Rumble from the U.S. Airway Center in Phoenix, Arizona, right before the crowd started turning on it. This was the last Royal Rumble that was pure until like 2017-18. Well, this Royal Rumble is famous for something. Not the match, but the backstage stuff, right? Like, this is when shit went to hell for certain people. What people? Uh, is this CM Punk's, CM Punk's no, last? No, sorry, I think that's 2014. 2014. Yes. Is it 14? That was, yeah, I believe, yeah, blue, yeah 14, 14 was Punk's, yeah, yes. Yes. And I feel like I make this mistake every time we talk. <laughs> it's tough to keep track, you know. Every fucking day blends together. It's a goddamn pandemic. Here we go. Maybe I overrated this. I heard a lot of people say it was bad. I like this match a lot. We're going number 78, the 2021 Women's Royal Rumble from the Thunderdome. Bianca Belair is made a star overnight. She's no longer a future star. She now is a star. It's because of this match. It's because of the promo she cut afterwards. I actually liked the commentary job by Jerry the King, Byron, and Tom Phillips. I thought this was a good match. Yep. This is a great match. Um, This match... You know, I don't want to compare it to the men's because we're taking a look at just this match. But this match had everything. It had surprises. It had legends. Um, somebody messaged me in the middle of the match and said, why do they bring back legends, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, well, they choose to because it's the Royal Rumble. You know, and when you think about it, like a lot of these women that they do bring back, 
never had the chance to compete in a Royal Rumble. Yeah. Absolutely. So it's really cool to see them. And some of them, they've been back a couple of times. And some of the NXT people, they've been in there. That's just because the roster is all... The, the talent pool is just a little shallow. There's, yeah. But this year, you know, we're 2021. We got Victoria. Yeah. Oh. Which is one of those never say never things, right? Yes. Yeah. I think I think she looked great. She could probably come back now. Keeping this thing going. Match number 77. We referenced it before. The Hitman Bret Hart versus Razor Ramon for the WWF World Title. Royal Rumble 1993. It's a little bit of a slower paced match, but both of these guys are so talented. It, it kept my attention throughout. I didn't look at my phone, you know. The, the typical test of if a wrestling match is good in 2021. Do you look at your phone the whole time? But uh, no, I, I really quite enjoyed this one. Uh, Bret Hart, just I could watch that man sell in a phone booth or something. That didn't make quite any sense read a phone book yeah in a phone booth backwards uphill both ways anyway match number 76 razor ramon versus jeff jarrett for the intercontinental title royal rumble 1995 great selling job by razor here on uh, working the knee i thought the finish was anticlimactic in this match because jeff jarrett just kind of kind of kind of pins him after a chop block i believe it's very it's kind of nothing it's uh, the most 1995 very finish. this is the same year that diesel elbowed Mabel for the win at, in your house one. Oh my God. <laughs> to be fair, there was no chance he was giving him a jackknife, even if Mabel stood on the top rope and jumped backwards. But uh, yeah, this was, Jeff Jarrett was a really good wrestler. Um, Razor Ramon, obviously really good wrestler. A very like Southern style, Memphis style wrestling match. All right, number 75, continuing with Razor Ramon, this time versus Goldust for the Intercontinental title, Royal Rumble 1996. The Goldust versus Razor Ramon feud really stuck with a lot of people. That's a very memorable feud. I don't know if they ever quite got to like a, a proper blow off with it because Goldust just transitioned into the Roddy Piper thing once it became clear that Razor Ramon was going to WCW. But this was a good match, and it definitely they had incredible chemistry, these two guys. They, they produced entertaining television every time that they were together. Match number 74, Sheamus versus Shorty G, the Royal Rumble 2020 pre-show. Hard-hitting match between two good wrestlers. Shorty G is one of the worst gimmicks that have ever been given out to anybody. Yep. Match number 73, Alberto Del Rio versus Kalisto, United States title, Royal Rumble 2016. I used to love Alberto Del Rio. I was mm. dating a girl when he started, and he was our guy. It was each other's ringtone on our phone. It was really cute. It sucks that he's such a monumental piece of shit, and he should never be brought back or celebrated at all. Fuck Alberto Del Rio, but this Keep was a show good, moving. This Keep was a good. This was a good wrestling match. Match number seventy-two: Batayon, El Torito, and Tarantula versus your boy Max Mini. That's my boy Mosaic and Nova. Royal Rumble, nineteen ninety-eight. Sonny, as special referee, I believe I forget to note here. Uh, this was good. Very good. Max Mini was a ton of fun. It's too bad that there's really no way that Vince McMahon would ever treat a uh, mini wrestler with any kind of sincerity or respect. But uh, even then, he still produced good things in the wrestling ring. Moving on, match number 71. Cesaro and Tyson Kidd versus The New Day, Big E and Kofi Kingston, from the Royal Rumble 2015 pre-show. The New Day got jobbed a couple times in terms of uh, placement on the card. They had some pre-show matches that did not ever deserve to be pre-show matches. They were always really, really good. Biggie and Kofi Kingston, good tag team. I like B I like uh, the New Day more when Xavier's in the tag team because yep. he's awesome at putting matches together, it seems. Every time there's a match with Xavier Woods in it, 
there's awesome moves that you've never seen before in that match. Yep. What a coincidence. It must be, you know, it must be that he's fucking a genius. <laughs> Perhaps. I don't know. Anyway, good little match here. Match number 70, also from a pre-show, Royal Rumble 2019, Shinsuke Nakamura versus Rusev. I love both guys. It's really kind of too bad what's happening uh, in AEW to Rusev. I don't think anybody is enjoying Miro, except for Miro. Yeah, because that's the character he wants to play. Yeah, but does anyone else on Earth want to see him play that character? I don't know. But yeah, Shinsuke Nakamura versus Rusev. Good match on paper. Good match in practice. Nothing that would blow your socks off. But uh, uh, you know, above average pre-show match. It was really, it was, it was, it was watchable. It was good. Match number sixty-nine. Here's another deep cut for you. A hidden gem, Boris. Beth Phoenix versus Molina. WWE Women's Title Royal Rumble 2009. Do you have any memory of this match? Yes, I do, actually. Oh, please. And the only reason is because I watched it recently. Ah, nice. Ish. Yeah, this match was awesome. Uh, Molina sells her ass off, and she she's bendy like Gumby. So there's a, there's a spot in particular where Beth Phoenix has her in like a like a back bridge and scorpions her own leg. Touch to touch her head. It, I, I can't even do it justice. I can't nearly do it justice. I'm sure you've maybe seen the gift before. But yeah, the, the the ladies worked really hard here. One of the better women's matches before Stephanie McMahon invented and perfected women's wrestling. Damn right. Melina is such an underrated performer. Yes. Yeah, she's not she's not Sasha Banks in the ring, but she's a great performer. She definitely she knows her character. She gets it across, be it a babyface or heel. She knows how to be both of them in an entertaining way. She was athletic. Yeah, she she was good. I like Melina. Match number sixty eight, the rematch: Oscar versus Becky Lynch two. Raw Women's Title Royal Rumble 2020. This was the match that uh, Becky Lynch needed revenge. She'd beaten everyone on the roster, but there was one notch on her belt that she couldn't quite get. It was Asuka. This was the uh, this was the the rematch from the year previous. They had an awesome match. It didn't quite live up to the previous match, but awesome finish, amazing I was finish. Literally going to say a lot of people say the previous match is better. I'm one of those people, but. Talk about the finish. So, Oscar's uh, getting ready. She's she's going nuts on Becky Lynch. She's gearing up for the big spot, and Becky throws a spin kick to Oscar's gut, which causes Oscar to th- spew green mist high up into the air like a waterfall. Green mist coming down on her as Becky Lynch gets the victory. Yep. Great little fucking spot. Love that highlight of the match for sure. And you know, it's good when the when the finish of the match is the thing that you take away from you it. You know, I love the fact. Let's take a look at this. Two thousand. Uh, 19? 2020, this one. Yeah, yes, but so 2019, yes. Becky Lynch and Oscar fought. Yeah. 2020, Becky Lynch and Oscar fought. Yeah. 2020, Oscar's the champ. But yet, people still say that Oscar is being buried. No, that's true, yeah. Well, these last couple weeks haven't been good. I, I yeah, you're right. I didn't watch Raw last night, but I believe the term black goop came up a lot. Uh, I don't know. That, no, I guess that was Randy Orton and not Oscar. But anyway, uh, yeah, it's just it's just rough anytime you're nearly involved with the Fiend or uh, at this point Alexa Bliss. But that was match number sixty-eight. Match number sixty-seven for the World Heavyweight Title at Royal Rumble two thousand ten. Rey Mysterio versus the Undertaker. Interesting match on paper. They didn't quite click, but it was still good. It was still fun. I'm glad we saw it once. Yeah, Rey Mysterio must have been too busy with his video games. <laughs> Oh, yeah, he's just, if, if only he got shittered with the fucking boys, you know, Ferda. If only he got absolutely fucking shittered, Ferda. Right there, letter <laughs> don't, you, don't you tell me how to live my life. 
Match number 66. Triple H versus Randy Orton for the World Heavyweight Title, Royal Rumble 2005. Boris, you know, remember what this was? Yet another concussion match. Yeah. Concussion storylines. Triple H versus Randy Orton, both very good. It was a world title match. They got a long time. You can't hate on it too much, but goddamn. Even then, I didn't need to ever see another concussion storyline. Like, they were just, it was basically like they didn't want to ever beat Triple H for any reason. And they didn't want to bury Randy Orton, so they had to come up with an idea for him to lose. And this is what they came up with. Yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. I'm not. Let's keep going. Concussions. Number 65, The New Day, Big E and Kofi Kingston versus The Usos, Jimmy and Jay. They had a million matches. Many were better. They had fucking Hell in a Cell matches, which were fabulous. Yeah. Fabulous match. Classic match is their Hell in a Cell match. This wasn't that, but it was still very good. Uh, Number 64. Here's one I didn't remember until I watched it back. AJ Styles in a handicap match. Versus Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn for the WWE title. I unfortunately remember this. Um, and when you look at the three guys involved, mm. it's like you would expect something just classic. Yeah. And I'm not saying that like you know it's rated fairly high on your list, but you're thinking top fifteen, right? No, oh, yeah, absolutely. You look at those three guys; they had a yeah. chance. Yep. For sure. Yeah, and I did like the storytelling throughout this match, but there was a lot of stalling, a fair bit of bullshit, and it was a, it was a handicap match that was centered around a storyline that would eventually lead to the return of Daniel Bryan. So, hey, it worked out. Yep. Uh, match number 63, Ronda Rousey versus Sasha Banks. Royal Rumble 2019 for the Raw Women's title. Two good wrestlers. I really liked Ronda Rousey in the ring. This was when the crowd was starting to kind of turn on her a little bit. Yeah, she was good for what she was, right? Like, she was good at what she did. They didn't really um, take her out of her element in terms of her ability. They knew what her scope was, and they stayed within the scope. And you know what? There's something to be said about hiding what people's faults are. Yeah, that's that's the point of the wrestling business. Hey, man, it's fake. You can do that. You may as well. That's the whole point of it, right? But I don't understand why they don't do this more often. Why do they allow... You know, person X to yeah. talk when they can't talk. Yeah. Why do they allow person Y to have a technical match when they like can't? Absolutely. Half the shit that Lon is doing, all the shit that Matt Riddle's done on his entire WWE run, just like not only putting people in positions like to not like not in their best positions, but actively putting them in their worst possible games yeah. and positions just to watch them languish and fail. Very sad. Makes no sense. Moving on. Uh, match number sixty-two. A recent addition, Drew McIntyre versus Goldberg, WWE title, Royal Rumble 2021. So we've seen this exact match before. We've seen it better, but it was still pretty good. I thought it was I thought it was exactly what it needed to be. I thought Drew Drew McIntyre looked good. Goldberg looked like a threat in defeat. He didn't look like some shitty old man. It didn't seem like it wasn't an accomplishment. I thought it was very entertaining throughout. Again, we've seen the formula before. But I liked I liked it. Paid That's by the, the numbers. I I, I I thoroughly enjoyed this match and I gotta say, like, you know, as a person who wants Goldberg nowhere near that title. Um every time that Goldberg got a pin, yeah, it was close. Like they here's the thing about WWE that I'm noticing. They're starting to become a little more self aware of the hate they get. I think so. I think so, yeah. So because of that, I'm noticing that they're doing certain things that kind of play on 
our biggest fears. <laughs> Goldberg winning the belts. Absolutely. The Fiend and Alexa Bliss at Royal Rumble. Yeah, with the, the Alexa Bliss. The magic. Bliss. Yeah. You know? Like, and notice they didn't, they teased the Alexa thing, but, but Ray Ripley knocked her the fuck out of the match right away. So, I feel like they're becoming a little more self-aware of themselves. I think so. And it's good. And part of that maybe is that Vince wasn't there at the Royal Rumble and they were kind of just taking advantage of it. We were talking uh, and joking about this because the first thing I noticed, you know what? When we bring up the men's Rumble, sure. we'll talk about this. Very good. Uh, speak of one of the devils, not Vince McMahon, but another devil. Match number 61, The Fiend, Bray Wyatt versus Daniel Bryan in a strap match. From last year's Royal Rumble 2020. I cringe. Just think about it. It, it brings me back to my childhood. <laughs> Sorry, Mom. <laughs> Sorry, Dad. Oh, yeah. No, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> Thankfully, I didn't get many beltings in my day. I did have a Windex bottle or two thrown in my general vicinity, but I was that was mostly my fault. But <laughs> but yeah, no, I, uh, I I feel you on that one. Yeah, but uh, lots of uh, country whippings going on in this match. But uh, I. Bad ending, bad finish, good match throughout. Daniel Bryan worked really hard in this program. He tried his hardest to make something watchable out of this fiend business. Here's a question I have for you. Yes. Is Bray Wyatt a good wrestler? I think so. I think I like Bray Wyatt a lot. Now, he's... I think he could probably, like, tone it down. He could. He's probably involved in a lot of the, the dumber stuff. Like, he, the temptation go, well, it's not his fault. He's not writing the show. But I'm sure he has a lot of input. And I'm sure a lot of his ideas have led to bad presentations of pro wrestling. But I like him in the ring. I think he's a talented guy. I think he cuts generally good promos yep. when he's got a focused goal in mind. Yeah. yeah. I think he's a good performer. I like Bray. All right. Let's move. Number 60 and number 59, very similar. We'll go through them quick. Number 60, 123 Kid and Thurman Sparky Plug versus the Million Dollar Corporation, Bam Bam Bigelow and Tatanka for the tag team titles at Royal Rumble 95. And number 59, Kurt Angle versus Taz at the Royal Rumble 2000. Why are these matches similar? Because they're matches that are buoyed by the storyline completely. It's not really a whole ton in the ring, but the storyline is so memorable. So quickly, the tag team title match, that's the Lawrence Taylor Bam Bam Bigelow match. And though the finish to this match is fucking all-time garbage, Bam Bam Bigelow falls off the top rope and lays there for five minutes almost. It makes no sense why I would beat him, and then he would just stand up as soon as the pin's over. Bronson Reed would get up. <laughs> he's colossal. Bam Bam Bigelow is far less colossal. Anyway, no, he's, he's pretty much as colossal. But yeah, so after this tag team match, Bam Bam Bigelow gets in Lawrence Taylor's face. All-time memorable, one of the great moments of the 90s in wrestling, setting up a mediocre WrestleMania match between LT and Bam Bam Bigelow. But it sets up Mongo McMichael showing up on WWE <laughs> TV, so... Setting up Mongo, becoming a wrestler in fucking WCW. And, and of course, giving us Mongo Mondays. Yes, and Mongo and friends on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One of the great gimmicks. And much like much like the previous match, Kurt Angle versus Taz was made better by the storyline, which was Kurt Angle was undefeated. He was challenging everybody. He was getting very cocky. He didn't give a shit about any of this. Whoever's in the back can come out. And who's going to come out but the debuting Taz in New York City, someone who can match Kurt Angle, suplex for suplex, hold for hold, and he chokes this fucking bitch out in MSG in five minutes. It's amazing how they dropped the ball on him. Having said that, yes, WWE dropped the ball on Taz, but Taz has had a string of bad luck with his neck and injuries Absolutely, in general. Yeah, there was a triceps injury too, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Taz, Taz got fucked over on injuries. And yeah, they had no idea how to use him at all. Yeah. 
Uh, all right, so that was 1659. Moving on, number 58, Bailey versus Charlotte for the Raw Women's Title from the Alamo Dome, Royal Rumble 2017. I like this match. Bailey throws a significantly better elbow than CM Punk ever did. That is my takeaway. Moving on. <laughs> match number 57, Bret Hart versus The Undertaker for the WWF title, Royal Rumble 1996. Famously in Bret Hart's book, he talks about this match and yes. mentions, how do you have a good match with a zombie? Yep. I think he did it. I think he did it. Yep. Not play video games before. <laughs> Get fucking drunk. Fight people at the bar. That's how you do it. Get in a oh, fight man. with eight fucking Marines in Syracuse or something. Whatever and then cry. <laughs> Lose your smile. That's how you fucking do it in my day. And take Percocets. Moving on. Uh, match <laughs> match number 56. Edge versus Rey Mysterio for the World Heavyweight title. Royal Rumble 2008. God bless these men. If it got 10 more minutes, it would be significantly higher on this list. Really good match. I gotta say, sorry. Really good match. You can finish your thoughts. I, I, I the last thing was too much Vicky Guerrero. Yeah. A little too much. Yeah. Um, it's so crazy. And I've been... I haven't been defending WWE for this whole edge win. But it's so crazy when you name some of these performers. Rey Mysterio versus Edge, you know, and Sheamus and and, and Cesaro. 2012, yeah. Yeah, and we're talking about the last two decades. Yeah, man, that's crazy. It is really crazy. But it goes to show you also... These motherfuckers take care of themselves. Oh, absolutely. The longevity. And, and like to be able to come back from the things that both of these guys have come back from. It's just, yeah, incredible athletes and very, very dedicated. You can't, you, you can't fucking hate on these guys. Yep. So that was 56. Number 55, King Baron Corbin versus Roman Reigns. Falls count anywhere. Royal Rumble 2020. Minute Maid Park. The cheatingest park in all of baseball, Houston, Texas. I like this match a lot. Crazy involvement with the Usos, diving off fucking girders. Uh, Roman Reigns wins with a spear on the dugout. Really enjoyable. And if you're going to point to the top five or ten Baron Corbin matches, I bet you're looking at this one pretty early. I don't understand why Baron Corbin gets all the hate. No, he's just way too pushed. That's why. It's just too much on every show. Here's my issue. Here's my issue. Go on, I just like melted. <laughs> but WWE doesn't create new stars. That's a good point. That's a really good point. How do you get stars? You push them. That's a really good fucking point, buddy. I don't know what to tell like, you. <laughs> I think I, I just think it's too much. I understand. <laughs> but you see this 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 cause and effect that yeah. the internet wrestling community has done. Absolutely. No, absolutely. No, you're completely right. But but of all fucking people, why him? Why do you, why do you pick him? Why is he the guy who's on every fucking show? Anybody why the rock? Else? Why the rock? Well, because the rock is a little better than goddamn Baron Corbin, Boris. <laughs> is he though? Yes. Hold yes. on. Hold on. We're gonna have this conversation right now. Okay. Mike skills withstanding as a wrestler, Baron Corbin or the rock, the rock a thousand times out of a thousand. <laughs> Is this a serious question? The rock's actually really good. He was a talented worker. He had good matches with a lot of guys. Baron in Corbin is a, like Barry Corbin is like a, is like a becoming a solid big man. The rock is like actually a really good wrestler. I think there's a big difference between. Those I think two so. Guys. I think, I think rock's great, but the point I'm trying to make here. <laughs> But Barry Corbin's not as bad as people act, but he's just so shoved down our fucking throats. So is Cody. <laughs> <laughs> you just 
everything's about Cody, for fuck's sakes. I'm sorry he gave you the finger. I really am. <laughs> okay. Uh, He's going to kick my ass one day. I mean, he should, yeah. <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> and fucking he in downstate coming for you. Adrenaline in his soul. Oh, no, no, he has a Snoop Dogg theme, and it sucks. Oh, as long as Downstate plays I Came to Play, I'm good. <laughs> oh, do they sing that song, too? Yeah. I didn't know that. That's okay. I guess that makes sense. Okay, moving on. Match number 54. We're entering a brief little Royal Rumble stretch here again in terms of Royal Rumble matches. 1994, Royal Rumble match number 54 from Providence, Rhode Island, of all places. This was the one, the first ever co-winners of a Royal Rumble, Bret Hart and Lex Luger together. You, you mentioned that you quite liked this one, and you were a Lex Luger fan. American made, <laughs> made in America. Lex Express. What is there not to like? I am American. Just let's let's Fair. let's remind everyone. Yes. I'm born in LA. I'm American. American made. Um, you know, I cried when Bret Hart made fun of my country, and then I became Canadian. Actually, fun fact: that summer, I became a Canadian citizen. Oh, nice. <laughs> That's good. And Bret Hart just fucking tearing you to shreds. Yep. <laughs> but at least you joined. You you joined the team. Um. Yeah, no, I, I, Lex Luger, he fucking body slammed Yokozuna. He was getting a large push. Uh, didn't quite work out for him, as we saw. Yeah, that 1993 SummerSlam was the the first time, and I didn't know the ins and the outs of the wrestling business. Yeah. I still don't know. Let, <laughs> yeah. Let's be honest. Yeah. We talk like we do, but we don't fucking know. Um, you know, but that was the first time I'm like, was it Lex Luger? Supposed to win this match, and I didn't know the details. And like late years later, I understood why. But of course, yeah, it was just so silly that they reacted as though he won the title. That's (laughs) how you bury. Yes, yes, such a goof he looked like, just absolute clown. But yeah, this was a good Royal Rumble. Diesel heavily involved. Look again, the original fucking Roman Reigns Braun Strowman push. Look, yep, a match that I might be on an island on. But I really like this match. Match number 53, the 1995 Royal Rumble match. Shawn Michaels goes bell to bell. You see, I have issues with this match. Please, go on. Issue number one. 60 second intervals. Yeah, yeah. They, it definitely lessened the impact of Shawn Michaels going all the way. Issue definitely. number two. Some entrance, just no one came out. What do you mean? Like, there would be the countdown going down, and no one I think would walk that, down yeah, the aisle. That might have happened, like, once. I think they did get, No, that like, happened, like, two or three times. I don't think two or three. I'd have to watch it again. I'm pretty sure it didn't. I can... I they, I will tell you this. The roster was fucking barren in 1995. There was... Yeah. Dick Murdoch like, was, was there in that barely, match. There, there were probably barely even 30 wrestlers on oh, the yeah. roster. Oh, Yeah. It was it was rough. They had they well they were calling in guys like Dick Murdoch. They called in like you know they had they had every goofball on the roster such as Mantar that they could possibly get Timothy Well and Stephen Dunn. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I thought this was how else are you gonna put a man over? Shawn Michaels comes in at goddamn number one and they let him win it. They did a um, uh, angle at the end of it that was so memorable that we're seeing it to this day. It's become wildly overplayed. In fact. But, uh, yeah. What angles is that? The tri- uh, Him hanging at the bottom rope and one foot much tuss- must touch the floor and he comes back while Bulldogs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I thought, but, okay, I wanted to be specific. Yeah, yeah. Because there's a lot of things from this rumble and this is why. I thought, I'm going to say, 
this rumble should be higher. No. Because oh. this rumble introduced a lot of dynamics and storytelling elements that we see today. Number one, Shawn Michaels dangling. Yep. Um, bell to bell. Mm. Just saw it. Yeah, we literally just yeah. saw it. Um, you know, there's a lot of things. And the way that this rumble was built, like, we see a lot of these things yeah. happening now. Absolutely. No, I, I like this match. I think it's good. I've heard it called, like, the worst Royal Rumble and a terrible Royal Rumble. And, again, the roster is, is pretty bad. It's the roster. Yeah. Yeah. It has nothing to do with the match. If you look at the match from a storytelling point of view, the childhood dream is happening in this yes, Rumble. in front you know? of our eyes. It is. Yeah, you know, like, like it's, a, it's, it's, it's wonderful to watch. Yeah. Here's the thing. I think we should also say the fact that as we're rating these matches, as you're rating these matches... It's not just, is this a good wrestling match? Yeah. We're looking at the entire package. Exactly. The commentary. If there's a promo before and after that directly affects the presentation, that counts in my opinion. All that stuff. Exactly. Even like the storyline going in. The crowd is a huge factor. The crowd is a huge factor. Yeah. And this is why. Like 14 to 16 just yeah. hurt. Nah, absolutely. It was a very bad period. Um, Mind you, why would you book like anti-crowd stuff in Philadelphia. Oh, my God. Of all places. Like, you're, they, they'll they turn on you. They, they turned on Santa Claus. They'll turn on you for anything. They don't give a shit about anything in Philadelphia. Anyway, yes. Uh, so that was 1995. Uh, you know, yeah, I feel like that's a div uh, divisive match. I'd like to hear people's thoughts on that one specifically. Same here. Same here. I uh, thought it should... I think it should be higher. I think it's perfectly rated. <laughs> uh... <laughs> Uh, match number 52, the 2011 Royal Rumble, won by a uh, fucking wretched piece of shit, Alberto Del Rio. Uh, I did like the match, though. I honestly, it's become so overdone, like the, the guy coming in from out of nowhere, the, the Santino Morella spot. But this was the first time it was done in a major battle royal. It was definitely the first time that I remember seeing it. I was in a house full of people, and I'm telling you, when Santino came in and he fucking crossed himself... I, I've never seen a house full of wrestling, like, watching people react like that. Like, everybody stood up. It was fucking like they were screaming. Like, I, I'll never forget how shocking that actually was the first time you saw it. That yep. will, will stick with me forever. I, I really thought this was a very strong Royal Rumble match. It's yep. it, The final two were Santino and, again, wretched piece of shit, Alberto Del Rio. It sucks that he won it. Uh, no more needs to be said. Match number 51. Here's another one that I'm probably on an island on, but this fucking put this man over. Big Show versus Brock Lesnar, Royal yes. Rumble 2014. Brock Lesnar murders the Big Show with a thousand chair shots. He looks like the scariest man of all time. He beats the Big Show into a puddle of fucking giant goo sitting there in the mat and then walks away triumphant and crazy and angry and scary. Yep. It just it, This is how you make Brock Lesnar into the baddest man on the roster, which he was for probably too long. Let him, let, you know what? Here's my thing. Let Baron Corbin do this. He'll get over, buddy. <laughs> Excuse me, I was drinking beer. Nobody's going to deny that. We don't need to, we don't need any more fucking schemes to get Baron Corbin over for the love of God. I got a thousand and one. <laughs> I'm sure you do. Number 50. And here's the thing. Okay. I don't even like Baron Corbin. You I just fooled like him me. Despite... <laughs> the people that hate him oh you're such a heel you're such a heel at all times all right number 50 and the last match 
of the three and a half elimination, three and a half star tier. Kurt Angle versus Triple H, WWF World Title, Royal Rumble 2001, nearing the end of the Stephanie McMahon love uh, triangle angle. So yeah. it's hard for me to call this very the good. Love Kurt Angle. Oh my God. Anyway, so yeah, that was. Uh, this was this was great. Kurt Angle and Triple H are such entertaining wrestlers. They could read the phone book fucking sideways through an avalanche uphill both ways, and I would still enjoy what they were doing. But yeah, there's too many shenanigans to call this even very good. It was not quite great, but I think this was basically either as good as a bad match can get or as bad as a good match can get. I'm not quite sure, but this is the top of the good. This is that chart. slice of pizza. Where no matter what, it's going to be good. Yeah, exactly. It's like three days old in your fridge. You take it out. You remember, you you look at the toppings. You're like, oh, man, there's some good bacon on this. There's some good pepperoni on this. And then you eat it, yep. and it's like, ah, that was good. That was good. <laughs> That's what this was. All right, we're into a new tier, Boris. We're going three and three-quarter eliminations out of five. This is 75% elimination. These are B-plus by the Canadian grading system. Very good wrestling matches. Here's the thing, my friend, Matt. As we're going down this list, there's I know what is to come. And I'm, like, questioning some of these right oh, now. Oh, nice. Well, I can't wait. We'll get into it. We'll get into it a little bit. All right. We're already at 2.42 no, in terms well, of recording time. Might, might have to cut it. I don't know how this show's going to come out. Yeah. I'm, I'm just saying the time because just so that people know, we're t- taking an afternoon. We're recording this. We're drinking beer. We're having fun. We're talking wrestling. I'm trying to get Baron Corbin over. Um, <laughs> to the house, I mean. We've called him up a number of times. They're trying to get him here. Turns yeah. out there's a global pandemic. Anyway. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's, 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 it's interesting because I'm thinking of the matches that we still have to go through. Nah, uh, there's the, well, we'll see. Tell me I'm wrong. Tell me I'm right. Fucking, this is why we do the list format, Morris. So, yeah, like I was gonna, what I was going to say is I don't know how this is going to sound yes people listening but we'll find out hey maybe it's bad but you know what there's going to be a print version as well which will uh you know tell me where the print version is sportsfap.com your place celebrating sports both fake and real your source for uh fapping source for fapping it is i think we need a new catchphrase at (laughs) sportsfap.com you're looking at me like i'm involved in this yeah, uh, it's just yeah, it's just a website that I have. It's just a you know, kind of like a jokeish sportsish writing website just for me to you know goof off on. Fap, fap. if you will, <laughs> about sports. By God, anyway. And Baron Corbin. <laughs> I have not and will not fap over Baron Corbin. <laughs> Moving on, three and three quarter stars. The following matches, starting with match number forty nine, the two thousand seven Royal Rumble match, a terrible match. For 75 to 80% of it, and arguably the greatest closing stretch in Royal Rumble history. 2007, 2007, 2007. Shawn Michaels versus The Undertaker, closing it out. You know what? I don't remember this one. Oh, wow. It's because very, yeah. I wasn't watching wrestling at this time. True, true. Uh, this was, yeah, this was right before the Chris Benoit uh, tragedies happened. Well, six months before. And, uh, yeah, that definitely ended the wrestling fandom of a lot of Canadians, myself included, for a number of years. But, yeah, this was a very memorable uh, Royal Rumble match wherein the final two 
was a classic of all time. But yeah, the rest of the match actually pretty bad. So I think it was it was made very good. The bottom of the very good pile by the fact that the final two was classic stuff. Classic. Right. Right, 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 right. Bumping this match to that level. Number 48, the 2017 Royal Rumble match from the Alamo Dome in San Antonio, Texas. Uh, This was won by Randy Orton. Randy Orton. Randy Orton. This is the infamous fiend. Why is Randy Orton the face story yes line. yeah that whole that whole business where he like burnt down the fiend's garage or whatever whatever it's his, crazy to think this his woodshed going on <laughs> oh my god three four years later but yeah this is a entertaining uh royal rumble and a return to form for the great royal rumble after the horrible stretch that was 14 to 16 depends how you feel about randy orton and i feel good <laughs> i feel good about him yeah. <laughs> Number 47, the 2019 Men's Royal Rumble. Again, it's pretty hard to say, like, oh, this is a very good Royal Rumble. You know, like, you, you got to watch these matches at some point. But it, it, it was it was entertaining. This is the one that was won by Seth Rollins. Uh, what, what more can you say? He went on to beat Brock Lesnar, he did, and then uh, the fans turned on him because he's such a sniveling nerd. Yep. But Toronto... Loved them. Yeah, they did. That they did. Good for Toronto. You know, they'll cheer a baby face. There's something about Toronto and wrestling, yeah. and this is why I love Toronto and wrestling. Exactly. Fans. Well, like, they'll, 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 I was just gonna say they'll cheer a baby face if he's good. You know what I mean? Like they, 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 they'll turn on you if you're getting stale or you're shitty. Yeah, but you know what? The thing is, Toronto does have this notorious thing of just shitting on baby faces. Yeah, yeah, they do. They do, but but for often, not that they like deserve it, quote unquote. But like, oh, sorry, got a hair in my mouth. I'm losing my hair bars. Um, yeah. So sometimes, like Edge in 2004, when he got booed at SummerSlam, it was because the Edge character was impossibly stale in the summer of yep. 2004. He hadn't changed at all in four years. Were you at SummerSlam 2019? Uh, I was at the Survivor Series with Brock 2016. Yes. So when Edge came out. During the Elias yes. at the kickoff. Holy shit. What a reaction that must Dude, have been. Dude, yeah. it was insane. I did not see that live, but yeah, it was insane on TV. I can imagine. Yeah, needless to say, you know, Toronto, like, they, they test the waters yes. of what's going on, right? Like. Uh, yeah, yeah, they're, we're, uh, we're a smart fan base, Boris, as this podcast will probably tell you. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, match number 46, the 2010 Royal Rumble match. Uh, cons, Matt Stryker on commentary. I, 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 that's been said. Pros, I, this was the match where CM Punk was cutting pre, uh, or mid-match promos. Awesome little angle. This is a, a bunch of, like, really cool things that you forget about the Royal Rumble actually happened in this. Beth Phoenix and Greg Khali, I mm-hmm. believe, was in this match. Yep. Uh, just a very good, entertaining Royal Rumble matchup in 2010. Yep, because this is the build-up to WrestleMania 26, right? Uh, yes, I want to say, which is Michaels versus Undertaker career versus, yeah. And that's another great thing about this was Michaels was fighting so hard to get that match versus the yep. Undertaker. Yeah. Awesome, awesome storytelling. Good Royal Rumble. Proper job by WWE in 2010 there. Match number 45 coming out of nowhere off the top rope. The Glamour Girls 
Judy Martin and Lilani Kai versus the jumping bomb angels of Itsuki Yamazaki and Norio Tateno. Yes. WWF women's tag team titles, two yes. out of three falls, Royal Rumble 1988. I love that. You see, this is one of those matches where I'm like, he hasn't said this match. Did he forget about this match? <laughs> no, sir. Because when I sent you the message about the 1988 Royal Rumble being a freaking hot streak. Yeah. And you questioned my sanity as a wrestling fan. <laughs> you were talking about this? Yes. Yeah, this is a great match. I love this match. It was very good. Uh, it, it didn't quite hit great match status. Problems with this match. Vince McMahon didn't know the names of the oh tag team. The commentary <laughs> ruined this match. And, Jesse, and again, this goes back to my point earlier yeah. about anytime you get non-American or non-Vince McMahon yeah. wrestlers. He just will do everything in his power to shit on you. Because I'm pretty sure at some point in the match, he's like saying, like almost borderline saying, the Japanese girls. Yeah, no, he's like, yeah, at some point he's like, uh, well, let's just call one pink and the other red. Yes. And, and, and Jesse's Jesse like, that's like, fucking stupid. Like, let's not do that. <laughs> and then they go to commercial break and they come back and Vince has been told in his ear what the names are of the wrestlers. And after commercial, he starts actually calling them by their names. Yeah, but the first few minutes of yeah. this match were so cringe. It was a little cringe. Commentary. It was a little cringe. But still, it's a women's tag team match from 1988. And they were Hold on, what? What? Hold on. What? <laughs> what? Hold on. I know. I know. It might shock you to find out that women actually wrestled at some point before 2017. Can you believe it? But I yeah, can't no, believe this. Considering, considering the time and place, awesome performance yeah. by these ladies. Awesome, awesome job. Yeah. And also, a big takeaway for this match was... this. I know. I feel like I'm like self-whatever. <laughs> but... The crowd in Hamilton did a great oh, yeah. job throughout this yeah. entire show. And this match in particular, you know, not only was it women's wrestling in the 80s, not only was it like this, this these random people that I don't know, but the crowd just ate this up. Yep. It started slow, but as the match went on, that third pin, the crowd was 100% into this. They respected good wrestling, and that's what they wanted to see. They wanted to see wrestling, and they got a good example yeah. of wrestling. This match was great. This great. Honest, well, and this went yeah. second after yes. Rude and... and um, uh, Ricky the Dragon. Yeah. Uh, yeah, very good wrestling match. Uh, hurt slightly, honestly, and I don't often say this because I love them both as commentators, but hurt slightly by the performance of Vince and Jesse. And Jesse and did a way better job than Vince. Yeah, and I feel like this is like at the... Like that pivotal time where Jesse just wanted to get fired because he just <laughs> ripped on McMahon yeah. the entire show. Big time, big time, especially in this match. It's actually entertaining for that reason. Yeah. Match number 44, the Hardy Boys, Jeff and Matt versus Eminem, Joey Mercury and Johnny Nitro featuring Molina. Royal Rumble 2007. Yeah. Good match. The, the classic quintessential Southern style tag that you hear about. Long extended heat segments. Little bit of cheating. Little bit of little bit of how do you do? There's a manager on the outside. And this is also the that era where the Hardy Boys physically couldn't like do insane bumps. No, no, just they're human. <laughs> it was yeah. It's 2007. But that's what I mean. Yeah. Like you know, from 2000 until. About 2006, they were doing insane matches. So there was this little time there where they were doing regular matches. Yeah. And, and that's were, when I actually 
really like them. Absolutely. They're both good wrestlers. And Matt Hardy, has a he's like a Xavier Woods. He has a great mind for wrestling, it seems, because all of the matches that he's in have unique and cool things in them. Yep. So, yeah. Uh, plus one thumbs up upvote to this match. Hardy Boys and Eminem. Good performance. Th- Southern style wrestling. Also, this is after the big nosebleed. Oh, I believe that's Armageddon 2006. That's, yeah. So I think that's like a month after. It's a, yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. coming off of the heels. I think they actually mentioned it. Come to think I think, it, yeah, because I know he was match. wearing the face yeah. mask. Yeah. yeah. So it must I remember be, yeah, the yeah. promo. What a disgusting spot. Oh, man. Oh, wrestling is so dangerous. <laughs> Jesus Christ, man. So, so many things can go wrong, wrong at any time. Like, that's the thing. Like, literally, you turn at the wrong second Ugh. and your life could end. Or your you face could literally, could your face could explode. Demolished. Ugh, ugh. If you don't know what we're referencing, Armageddon 2006, there's a disgusting ladder spot with uh, Joey Mercury just eating a ladder directly to the face. Uh, you don't need to see it if you haven't. But his face blows up. His face blows up. It blows up. Uh, okay. He looks like Baron Corbin punched him. <laughs> oh, my God. So we're entering an edge pack here. Uh, uh, a three-way edge dance coming up at you. Number 43, Edge versus Shawn Michaels, Royal Rumble 2005. Number 42, Edge versus Jeff Hardy, no disqualification, uh, Royal Rumble 2009. And number 41, Edge versus Dolph Ziggler, Royal Rumble 2011. So, let's just talk about Edge for a second. Yeah. I, I still, I think he's underrated. I honestly, we're two guys from Toronto. Obviously, we're going to love Edge. It's almost silly to talk about this. But, like, he's a great promo. Has almost exclusively good matches. Longevity coming back from this injury. You know, he's done He's done it in gimmicks. He's done it against big men, small men, face or heel, tag team or single. He, I feel like he carries the company when... There's a lot of criticism to the company. Yeah, you know. Like, yeah. even right now, you know, there's the the big argument that we're seeing out of the 2021 Royal Rumble is the old guard versus the new guard. These old fucks, not Dan and Joe, <laughs> but the, you know, the edges, yes. the Rey Mysterios, the whatever, versus your, and this is what's funny, your Matt Riddles, your Damian Priest, who are... 35 and 38, yeah. respectfully. <laughs> Worth you know? noting, yeah. So, you know, I feel like Edge is right now is getting a lot of flack by the internet wrestling committee for the wrong reasons. Yeah, no. I, I 100% agree, obviously. And we're Canadian, we're fanboys, we're going to be biased. So take this with a grain of salt. But yeah, I think Edge is a Hall of Fame, first ballot Hall of Fame talent. I am glad to see him, and I hope he gets a nice run and stays healthy here. That's yeah. pretty much it, you know? So, again, that was 43, Edge versus Shawn Michaels. 42, Edge versus Jeff Hardy. 41, Edge versus Dolph Ziggler. How cool must have it been for Edge to fight Shawn Michaels? Oh, man. Like, I, uh... I don't think people realize how big of a fan Edge was. That's the thing. He, he, he got to be trained as a wrestler because he won an essay contest about how much he loved wrestling. And that's, that's how he got free wrestling training and the rest was history. It's such a yeah. great story, man. Like, yeah, right, that's right, right by here. That's amazing, man. He's one of us, you know what I yeah. mean? He's like, he's, he's like the, uh, the quintessential fan. He did it. And actually here's a little edge, edge and Boris trivia. He, no, he didn't give me a middle finger. <laughs> um, uh, but I remember going to my first independent show ever in edge. 
was there. Nice. Sexton Hardcastle? Sexton Hardcastle. <laughs> it was at an Applebee's in Scarborough. Oh, wow. Applebee's Wrestling Apocalypse Federation. Wrestling Federation. <laughs> AWF. The run Applebee's. by Ron Hutchison. <laughs> Ronnie. The Applebee's Wrestling Federation. That's hilarious. Oh, man. Good for Edge. From Applebee's to the big stage. All right, so moving on after the edge pack, we are now within the top 40, Boris. Number 40, we've mentioned it already. Sergeant Slaughter versus the Ultimate Warrior. WWF title, Royal Rumble 1991. If you listen to nothing else that I say in these next four hours, listen to these words. The greatest run-in in wrestling history happens in this match. Yes. The greatest. No, not only the greatest run-in, but the pre... I love the fact... That these people just overshadowed the entire match. Oh, absolutely. Like, the pre-match interview will, if you, the entire storyline between the Ultimate Warrior and Macho Man. And I know that this was the build-up to the retirement match, career v. career. WrestleMania 7. Yep. But, like, the fact that Sergeant Slaughter, who was... Anti-America, which was a huge deal back then. Yes. You know, won the belt. But he was overshadowed by the sensational Sherry and Macho Man. And the Macho King. The Macho King. Yeah, yeah, absolutely fucking insane run-in where uh, Warrior is chasing after Sherry, going all the way down the ramp. And then out of the absolute ether, the Macho Man comes, brains the Ultimate Warrior, grabs a light fixture, softly cross-checks the light fixture into him, and then runs away like a fucking thief in the night at Mach 10. It's hilarious. It's one of the great wrestling gifts on Twitter. You must see it if you have not seen that. Everything about that, just, it was just so amazing. Like I said, the interview, watch that interview with Sherry yes. Martell, Gene Okerlund, and The Ultimate Warrior. Like, Sherry just... Begging, <laughs> begging, and Ultimate Warrior just like wiring up and saying no. Yes, thirsty, sensational Sherry was a sight to behold for sure. <laughs> thirsty, <laughs> we're thirsty right now. Apparently, I'm looking at our coffee table. We're doing quite the job on a Tuesday morning. <laughs> Different kind of thirsty, to be clear. time for another break we're gonna break and we're gonna have another interview this time we are joined by mike fenn of the work rate podcast thank you mike for joining us thank you for having me all right mike so you're a wrestling fan both matt and i are obviously wrestling fans that's why we're here talking all things royal rumble so how long have you been a wrestling fan and what is it that got you into wrestling it's funny i i'm I'm that fan that uh, Cody Rhodes talks about that was a fan from when he was a little kid since before I can remember. Watched it until high school, then dropped out because high school I didn't have time 
it wasn't on like a I was a WCW fan and that that normally aired during the day. So because I was at school, I didn't have time to watch it anymore. And then WCW disappeared. And I generally I disappeared from wrestling fandom. I got back into wrestling because of the community we're in. There was a there was a fantasy league and I, w- I just joined that for fun. So that sort of uh, that got me paying attention to wrestling. And then through those people, they're like, oh, you should watch this New Japan wrestling match. I had never watched Japanese wrestling before. I watched that and I was like, oh, my God, this isn't boring. And then from then on, that's that's what got me back into it. So then I was obsessively following Japanese wrestling from that point. I got into the indies as soon as there was word that these guys were coming to North America I was all in with AEW, and then now I just split between AEW and New Japan and the odd indie show, GCW, that type of that type of thing. That's that's my bread and butter. A very similar story to a lot of people nowadays, right? Like I think it's very <laughs> a more common thing to hear that hey, I was a fan as a kid, took a break, now I'm back, but I've expanded what I kind of watch, mm-hmm. and I feel like you know your story is a little different. Because you've always been that WCW fan, um, which is Absolutely. very rare to find here in Toronto. Yeah, it, it was really funny that I I got hooked. Like it was shocking to me to watch the NWO form. To me, that was the most shocking thing in the world when they walked up onto the onto the, the announce booth and they spray painted uh, on the back of the on the back of the announcer. I can't remember who it was at the time, but. For me, as a kid, that was the craziest thing I'd seen in my life. And at that time, I wasn't watching Stone Cold. I wasn't watching HBK. And honestly, the the sex stuff that they were pushing in WWE, honestly, it made me as a kid uncomfortable. So I I gravitated to the NWO, like, biker personas that they were putting forward. So that's where I gravitated. And... The video games, yeah, Honestly, like the WCW versus NWO, I was very heavily involved with those with all my friends, and so that's what we knew, that's what we loved. And then when that was gone, I was like, "Well, I don't care anymore." And then I was took like a fifteen, sixteen, seventeen year sabbatical from wrestling, and then came back. Right. See, that's something that a lot of people always forget is that. You know, when WWF, WWE ended up buying WCW, there was a whole segment of fans that just dropped off, and that was it. Like, Mm -hmm. sayonara, we're done, and they never watched the WWF, WWE product. Like, that was never in their Mm -hmm. books because it wasn't so much wrestling as opposed to being a fan of WCW. Some people did jump on board, but for the most part, I would say that, you know, a lot of the fans, if you take a look at the ratings... They dropped off, so you know it's 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 been years for a lot of fans uh, since they've watched anything, and I'm finding that these are the fans who search up the indies. You know, um, may have been Impact fans for like all five of them, and you know, and, and <laughs> always seeked out the alternative. Yeah, there were there was there was something very vibrant about WCW. Like, like just the lighting and how they presented it. Whereas WWE was very gritty, yeah. and for whatever reason, it. Re- I don't want to say it repulsed me as in I was disgusted, but it like it physically 
repulsed me away from their product and I just I never came back and every once in a while I've tried to watch it over the years and, and I would get maybe 45 minutes in yeah. and then I'd be like I, I'm not it's not it's not clicking yeah and then just everyone's but I was I've always been a wrestling fan but I wasn't enjoying the current product yeah and I heard about NXT I came back to NXT to to watch it a bit I was like okay this is good but again just and also there's the stigma of WWE and not not so much a stigma but the morality of some of the their back backroom yeah. stuff that they've done their their stuff in Saudi Arabia like stuff like that I was just like I am it's not worth watching a product I don't love so I didn't so that's that's, totally that's where sense. I stuck to the indies, and then all my indie wrestlers all of a sudden started showing up in AEW. So I was like, "Oh, fantastic!" Jungle Boy, Joey Janela, Darby Allen, those were my favorite wrestlers for about a year and a half while I was watching the indies, and then they all showed up in AEW at once. So I was like, "This is perfect." Yeah, exactly. All right, so let's you know you're not the biggest WWF fan, WWE fan, but was there always something about like you know the big four? Did you try to watch those, you know, focusing on Royal Rumble, you know, did you watch a lot of the Royal Rumble growing up? I watched a lot of the Royal Rumble, but from the, from VHS tapes. Yeah. I was a blockbuster WWE fan. Yeah. So it was whenever my parents would allow me to watch it or when my uncle who worked for Jumbo Video would, uh, would bring home like, uh, test VHSs that say like, do not copy this. This is property of Jumbo Video, like yeah. scrolling along the bottom. So my favorite Royal Rumble is one that nobody has on their list, and that's 91. Where, wow. Where Hogan eliminates Earthquake. That's that's my favorite because that's the one I owned. That's awesome. And I watched that about 75 times. <laughs> I wore that thing out. It's so funny how, how that works, especially with wrestling, because wrestling at the end of the day, it's so subjective, like who gravitates towards what and whatever. It's not like there's stats. It's not like somebody's actually winning for real. You know what I mean? It's not like there's you, you just grad, gravitate toward the stories and the performers that you like. So that's pretty cool. I remember uh, I uh, I had a similar story. My aunt bought me the tape, the VHS, the double VHS of WrestleMania four. And like I wore that thing out. I love WrestleMania 4. It's part of the reason why I love Macho Man Savage so much. But that's almost inarguably the worst WrestleMania. That or 9. It's really a bad WrestleMania. <laughs> but I love it. You know, I definitely feel you on that one. Yeah, it, it's funny. I I also, I have, uh, I can't re- it might be that same WrestleMania. I don't think it is. But where, uh, where Macho Man lifts Elizabeth up on her shoulder. Where they're yeah, reunited. I- well, I, yeah, I have that one, and that main event, or the main event with uh, with Hogan and Sergeant Slaughter, was so scary to me because of the blood. Yeah, I didn't like watching it. So, like the little kid me, like the five six year old me, was terrified of it. And I loved the, I loved the colorful nature of that Royal Rumble, and I, the cover, the poster that they had oh, with oh. all the guys walking as if it's like a warriors movie yeah. <laughs> uh movie poster i i would stare at that thing for hours yeah it's definitely among the greatest wrestling posters ever possibly the single goat wrestling poster that thing is so beautiful and they copy it all the time now but they, it, did. It, they haven't hit the original 92 they just redid it they put flair on it yeah it, it's the same thing hogan's <laughs> in the exact same position as he was the year before 
But yeah, so that for me, it was VHS. So it, it was whatever they had at Blockbuster. That's what I watched. And those were the ones that whatever was available. So I watched uh, the second Royal Rumble, the, which was 89, I believe, countless times because that was always available. So I've nice. seen that yeah. one uh, countless times That's as well. A classic. And for well, me, for me, my favorite guy was always Andre. Oh, and nice. Bill, yeah. And then the final one in 90 is so sad because he can't go anymore. Yeah. And he, he's sitting on, on, against the ropes the whole match until, until he's out. But it's funny because there's only three rumbles that he's in, but he's the most iconic rumble guy for me. But he's only been in three as far as I can remember, at least official Royal Rumbles. Yep, you're right. That is another Royal Rumble moment that I will always remember is Giant Gonzalez appearing and attacking the Ultimate Warrior because I was so terrified. Oh, I was yeah. I was just watching it on highlights. I was sneaking watching back everything that happened the week before, and they were just showing the the vignette that they were showing of the Giant Gonzalez, and I I had chills because at that point it was still real to me. Yeah, yeah. As a little kid, and it was the most terrifying thing I'd ever seen in my life. And my dad had to tell me about it. He's like, "Oh yeah, there's this." guy the giant gonzalez he can't really do anything he pretty much just chokes guys and gives head butts he's like he's not a very good wrestler but he beat up the undertaker and i was like what <laughs> like clutching my pearls yeah i was, I was like why does he look like that not realize that it was a bodysuit like so all funny. the all the smoke and mirrors worked on me as a kid yeah, definitely. And especially the giant Gonzalez. He was terrifying. You have to be like under the age of eight, probably. But if you were, <laughs> boy, was he terrifying. <laughs> Scary individual. Oh, that's yeah, funny. Like my my favorite wrestlers and the ones that scared me are guys that could not get over with me now at all. Ultimate <laughs> Warrior, my favorite. Ultimate Warrior had no moves. Yeah. <laughs> like he was not a very good wrestler. But to me, as a as a young as a young Michael. He was my hero. Hulk Hogan was my hero. Nowadays, it's just like, I don't even know what I saw in him. Yeah, <laughs> that's the unfortunate thing there. It's like, and it's funny kind of taking back at, and, and taking a look at your memories and seeing who you liked, mm. who you didn't like, and now comparing them and watching that the older product as an adult, especially as someone who kind of dissects the shows more you know by hosting mm -hmm. a podcast so it's kind of fun doing that sometimes you also completely ruin the experience sometimes oh for sure it, it's tough sometimes you get you get you get very jaded um yeah. it's like it's like learning how to learning what goes into making movies and then watching a movie now and you're picking apart little things that you didn't even know existed before or for me, I went to school for graphic design, so I'll see something walking down the street and I'm just like, oh, they should have done this, or I can see where why they did this. No, you don't want to see how the sausage is made all the time, and you don't want to always be analyzing it. Yeah, you're, it's it's nice to watch it as a fan and not trying to overanalyze the booking. You're like, well, they can't possibly be putting this guy over because they're obviously pushing this guy to the moon, and this guy's too young at this point, so he has to... He has to wait. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's uh, there's something pure that, that I wish I, I wish I was still a kid. I wish yeah. I was still a kid sometimes when I'm watching wrestling. I got to be honest, like a lot of the audience that Matt and I have, you know, give me hell because I'm very critical of AEW. <laughs> 
I am not yeah. a quote-unquote fanboy. I'm going to criticize them the exact same way that I criticize WWE. So if there's something that I don't like, I will call it out. Something that, yes. you know, and, and, and people are still in this kind of honeymoon phase with AEW, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I'm going to call them out when they do stupid stuff. You know, on Wednesday nights when I watch Dynamite, I'm very critical of the show. But, so this is news to Matt, but later on in the week, I rewatch the show, regardless of what I thought yes. about it. And I try to, like, do just that. Sit back, watch the show as a fan. And I tend to enjoy it a little more, but mm-hmm. the things that bothered me originally, sometimes I'll turn on them and and not hate it. But there are things that, that I hated that really, really bothers me. Um, but, yeah, it's just funny uh, that – but, you know, I'm doing everything I can in my power to, like, enjoy the product, which I am. Trust me. I'm enjoying the product so much. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I'm not going to kind of give them a free pass all the time. There's no point in giving free passes. Yeah. There's no point in, in not being critical of the things you love. One thing I noticed over the past few weeks is, you know, you've been very critical of AEW as much as, yeah, you host a podcast talking about it, but you're very critical. And I'm like, thank you. We need more of you in this world. Well, yeah, that there's a lot of that in, in all fandoms, whether it's comics or movies or video games or whatever, where people will defend the thing they watch or the thing they like to death without being able to critique it. And if you can't critique it, they're never going to improve. I went to art school, and part of art school is, part of the curriculum is critiquing your own peers. Like, that is part of it. Um, And I've learned to have a thick skin for that, but also to learn how to critique the things that you love and be able to better... Well, for me, as an artist, I need people to tear my stuff down sometimes so I can get better. And if you hear the same critiques from enough people enough times, you're like, okay, I have to take that to heart and I need to improve. And obviously they're not listening to everything we say in wrestling, but uh, sometimes they are. Sometimes they're on uh, Twitter reading or listening to the podcast, I assume, um, vanity searching their names. But uh, yeah, it's a, it's very important. And yes. I find that there's not enough of that these days. And uh, I think it also makes a podcast very boring if all you do is pump up the tires of the show you watch. That's As much know, as it's not necessarily fun listening to a show where, uh, where you're tearing down something that you love. Like, I've listened to podcasts where someone's tearing down a show they love. It's just like, oh, I don't feel like listening to it this week. And I get it sometimes. Sometimes you don't want to hear the negativity and you just skip a week yep. and come back later. But exactly. It's a discussion. You know, it is possible to be critical, but positive at the same time, right? Like, that's mm-hmm. something that Matt and I try to do with our show is we always try to find that that sparkle that, and just, you know, actually mm. try to like it and enjoy it and, and find something just, good uh, about it. Yeah, I just think as long as you're being genuine, right? Like, as long as you're honest and as long as you truly believe what you're saying, then, you know, you can you can embellish or you can exaggerate, you can perform. You, at the end of the day, this is a performance mm-hmm. and you you can, like, yeah. you know, but, but you do, if you're just saying something just to say it, be it positive or negative, you, the, that's going to come out. Well, what comes out is the passion and, and the truth behind what you're saying, you know what I mean? I think that's all that matters is you have some conviction it needs to be good faith criticism whether it's positive or negative yeah it needs to be 
good yeah. faith is a way to put it. I find that happens often where, especially like on the internet, forget about it. But yeah, just as long as people are arguing in good faith, then I have time for them at this point, you know? Absolutely. <laughs> especially with the wrestling community. Like the wrestling community is just such a uh, an interesting community to to try to talk to to appease to and you know at this point i'm at it you know i just don't i know i'm gonna piss people off with things i say and it is what it is <laughs> listen to us please listen to us always but let me know what you think you know i'll probably ignore you but you know it's it's there on the table and it's food for thought more than anything else well yeah is like the one thing that uh like uh, with brad my co-host and i we are the, we are the calm positive npr of the internet wrestling culture <laughs> that that's what we go we're just, we come we we talk about what we didn't like what we talk about what we like but we try i try and stick to the to the positive as much as possible because i'm talking about what i like we're talking about something that we're passionate about there's no point in hate watching something to watch it just to tear it down and that's what my twitter is as well i only i tweet people just like hey great match last night Great this, great that. I like to boost creatives, boost people who are doing something creative because there's so much negativity out there. And sometimes after a wrestling show, I'm just, I'm all excited and I'm on Twitter and just like, oh God, what is this dumpster fire that is happening on Twitter right now? Let me just close this for the moment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like I love our our Wednesday night chats. Um, usually, I'm like in preparation to record our own show, so I'm on the computer and and, and we're having a conversation. But it's just like you know, it's it's those are some of the conversations that I really enjoy with some of the fans, right? When we're talking mm. about the stuff that we like. I had my first segment or a segment of AEW where I just didn't want to talk about it. This past week, I was like, I don't really want to talk about this. I was like, I've talked about this enough for the past few weeks. They're doing it again. I didn't like it. Let's move on. And we just went to the next. And that that was the uh, that was the Sting Darby stuff. I'm just sure. so tired of the repetition of it. Which is, I'm totally fine bringing in Sting. I was wearing I on that podcast. I was wearing my Sting shirt to watch the episode of Dynamite. However, like Sting has a mystique. They bring him in, and he's all. He's all jovial. He's talking too much. He's happy-go-lucky Sting, dressed like the crow. It's weird. He's not getting physical with anybody because he can't get physical. They treat everything as if it's long-term booking, but how are you going to treat something with long-term booking when the guy can't get physical, so he just has to stand in the ring and talk every single week for a three-month build? Yeah, with that, it's literally the same segment over and over. And for me... Sting is, like you said, his this, this mystical character. There's this aura around him about, like, he's a legend. You know, he's the legend's yes. legend. Only a few people yes. are at his level. So the fact that he's showing up every single week, it's really kind of making it less important for, for me. It's the physical manifestation of the law of diminishing returns. Yes. Is what it is with him. And the more... He was at his best in WCW when he wasn't talking. We didn't see him for weeks on end. And sometimes they just show him up in the rafters, and that's all you saw. And that was cool. Yeah. As a kid, you're like, oh, when's Sting going to come back? When's Sting? I know when Sting's going to come back. He's going to come back next week at about the uh, 8.30 mark. He's going to stand in the ring. He's going to talk about how much he loves to be there, how much he loves the fan. That was, that was Surfer Sting, guys. That wasn't well Crow Sting. 
that's exactly it. This is this AEW Sting is kind of this like weird hybrid of eighties mm-hmm. Surfer Sting and mid nineties uh, Crow Sting. It's kind of weird, but it is what it is. All right, so Mister Positivity himself here, Mike Fenn, Work Rate Podcast. Tell me about the podcast. Okay, so the podcast it started uh, actually. Funny enough, it's we started the podcast with a review of the G1, and then we transitioned it right into a AW uh, review podcast. And we will go off and do the odd specific podcast for something else, but it's essentially whatever we're excited about at that time. And right now, it's just AW. So for the time being, it's we we review the podcast i break down we break down the matches we break down what we liked about it we talk about what we where we hope it's going to go going forward um we rate it the we talk about the work rate of each match and yeah, so far it's it's been really good um it's all it's a lot of fun it's my uh it's my first foray into podcasting and i couldn't love it more it, it it makes uh, it makes the I'm really loving the appointment viewing, and now I have a discussion to have afterwards. We we do it on Thursday. We record Thursday nights, put it up uh, five o'clock a.m. Friday morning is when it goes is when it goes live. Um, yeah, it's been a really good time. It's a it's very free form. We will ramble, as I said this past week, two hours of a from an episode that uh we really only wanted to talk about one segment (laughs) love it (laughs) and we didn't we didn't get to it until at least uh an hour and a half into the podcast or an hour into the podcast so there you go but yeah we also talk about news so we talk about what what else cool is going on in the wrestling world that we're interested in so this past this past week we were talking about the njpw news with their with their TV deal, I put that in brackets because it's on Roku, but yeah. uh, everyone gets that, so that's fun. Yeah, so we go through the news, talk about AW Dark, talk about what's happening on Impact, talk about what's happening on the show. Yeah, it's a good time. It's a comprehensive breakdown of everything and the pluses and the the negatives of it, with an emphasis on the plus. I love it. A positive wrestling podcast. Who would have thought, Matt? I don't believe it. Not for a second. I hate it. I'm so full of hate right now. No, I'm just kidding. That's awesome, man. Um, we try to do a similar thing here, and uh, yeah, I, you know, got to do your part. Got to be the be the light, be the change you want to see in the world, etc. Platitudes. It is the work rate podcast. You can find it on the interwebs. We'll be talking to you very, very soon. I'm sure. Um, Matt, let's get back to it. Sounds good. Thanks for stopping by, Mike. Thank you for having me. Boris, well, we're doing well. Get, get through this thing. We're nearing the home stretch, but let us crack a little beverage and talk to a good friend. Exactly. You may know him. You may have heard him. You may have seen him. And he is one of the hosts of Dark Side of the Elite. He is Zane66. How's everybody doing today? We're doing pretty good. We're doing pretty good. Thank you for joining us. Uh, so, you know, we're talking everything Royal Rumble, 
But before that, we want our listeners to get to know you a little better. So tell them a little bit about yourself, how long you've been watching wrestling, and what it is you do for your podcast. Well, thanks, Boris. Thank you, Matthew, too, for inviting me to the show. Um, my name is Randy, Zane66 of the Dark Side of the Elite. Um, and we, the Dark Order North, what we do is a weekly podcast reviewing Being the Elite. Um, we started about three months ago, roughly around the same time where we both entered the contest for us. And congratulations, guys, and Matthew for winning. Um, oh, great, job. <laughs> job. <laughs> great job. Good job. Great job. And yeah, it's been fun so far. Myself, Matthew, and Eric. Um, just having a good time and enjoying doing it each week and we've got bigger and broader things coming up so if you guys like what you hear go to the dark side of the leak on the facebook page and we the dark order north on twitter and everything you can follow all of us every week so that's awesome so what it is what is it that you actually review every week like what do you talk about well we more or less go over the being the elite we are broadening 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 out um with different things coming up in the next month. So um, we're probably going to go into Dynamite. We more or less stay with the AEW product. Um, what's going on, again, with being in the lead each week, try to keep the pace of the last couple of months on how the storylines stick together and where we think they're going. So, again, with, with COVID and everything at this time, uh, wrestling's been really enjoyable on my side of it, I believe. Um, with storylines and everything else and we just again progress with that and it's been good that's awesome all right so we're going to take a step back how long have you been watching wrestling for and what's your first actual wrestling memory i've been watching wrestling since i was about uh, 10 11 years old um first wrestling memory I guess the most enjoyable one, I guess, was uh, going to Maple Leaf Gardens. I went with my uncle at the time and uh, watching uh, a live event. And from there, it just got me hooked. Um, as a memory, though, I don't know if you guys heard of this before or heard it from Sunday Night Men event. Um, the biggest, my best memory ever, there was an event in Toronto called uh, the Big Event. Oh, I don't yeah. know if you guys oh, remember yeah. that. Yeah, so Hulk, that uh, week, Hogan Orndorff, right? That's right. That's right. It was really, really good. Um, it was on a Thursday, and I used to work at a bowling alley, and this was the Wednesday. And in in this plaza, there was a sub shop, and the people that owned it was actually Jim the Anvil Nightheart's niece. So she knew I was a big wrestling fan, and she goes. Well, I'm going to have a couple of wrestlers over at my house tonight because they were there the night before or whatever. Why don't you come on by after you're done work? So literally her house was one street behind me. So I finished work about 11 o'clock and I go on her street. It was in Clarkson, if you guys know where Clarkson is. Oh, yeah. But uh, so I walk, I walk down her street and at the end of her driveway, they're all outside. There's like four of them. At the end of the drive, like Jim Danville Lightheart was down there, like talking and laughing loud, really, really loud. So you could believe spot it. him right. Sorry, oh, I said I believe it. <laughs> yeah, he was like really loud. They were drinking too, but uh, so I spot him right away. So we start walking up. It was me and a friend, Dave, 
And as we get up there, I was like a little, uh, I guess, starstruck, marked out type thing. I was getting a little excited. But out of the corner of my eye, I seen somebody sitting on the porch. And guess who it was? Andre the Giant. Holy crap. So uh, immediately I turned, <laughs> I went to the porch, I sat down, and we sat and talked for about half hour, 45 minutes. But then after that, I was absolutely hooked. So that's yeah. probably my biggest story. And then uh, just meeting somebody and just be, like a little starstruck and fanboyish. And it uh, it stuck with me for a bit. And then I went that's to the event on the Thursday and... That's it. <laughs> there you go. And here we are. Here we are making here podcasts are. together and interviewing each other. It's, uh, yeah, it's quite the world of wrestling. That's it. Yeah. All right. So we're going to start talking Royal Rumble. I'm assuming that you've seen most, if not all. What is your favorite memory, favorite match of the Royal Rumble? The Royal Rumble, um, I guess, would probably be the 1992 Royal Rumble itself. And at the time, I was a big Ric, Ric Flair fan. So seeing him win that, um, it was abs- like absolutely incredible. Shortly thereafter, I guess, when he first came into the WWE. So it was a big, big step. Um, and for three last guys, I know people, uh, how can you say it? It's almost like a nostalgia thing. But when you had Hulk Hogan, Sid, and Ric Flair coming to the end, named three bigger names at that time in wrestling. There really wasn't any, right? I'm not saying it was the greatest match ever, but again, I was a big uh, Ric Flair mark, so I popped huge. Oh, that's and- awesome, man. Um, especially being a Ric Flair, like like Mark, like Stan, like you said, and him coming in at number three, do you remember what you thought, like seeing him come down, like, oh, they fucked Ric Flair over? Or were you, were you still so young and kind of marky at that time that you were just like, oh, go get him, Rick? Like, did you think you think he was going to lose? Did you think he had any chance? Uh, it's Ric Flair. Of course he had a chance. I believe on that aspect of it. <laughs> I remember at that time, um, yeah, coming in coming in early. I think what was it? 92 was their fifth Royal Rumble or sixth, right? So, Yeah, fifth. Fifth, yeah, fifth at that time. So there wasn't really much experience, I guess you can say, going yeah. into the Royal Rumble at that time. But uh, from what I remember, too, I think not many people lasted that long. Like, he lasted an hour in that match, right? At that, I think throughout that Royal Rumble, there was only like two or three other people that lasted over 20 minutes. So once he got probably at that 15-minute mark, I'm trying to, to remember back. Uh, I honestly think he had a chance, especially when it came down to the last three. So it's Ric Flair. It's Ric Flair. Woohoo! So woo! <laughs> All right. So, uh, yeah, the thing—that's the thing about Ric Flair. Like, I'll never forget seeing Ric Flair for the first time. Like, I've talked about it on the show a few times, and I was a WWE mark. I really didn't know anything else or care about anything else. So I remember when he first showed up as the real world's champion. And it's funny enough that that's what got me interested in WCW, was seeing that, hey, there's another belt, there's another league, I'm going to watch this stuff. Like, I knew that, you know, the territories and that stuff, but I wasn't really that into it. So, you know, this was my the first time that I saw something other than WWF. So it's kind of funny that it kind of did the opposite of what they wanted to happen. Right. And I was with Ric Flair, too, growing up. 
um, you didn't see much uh, WCW, NWA. I was one of, like, I'm an older gentleman, I'm almost 50. But uh, everything that you saw was, like, in Pro Wrestling Illustrated. I used to get Pro Wrestling Illustrated every month, so on and so forth. Oh, and awesome. when it, going through it and then seeing all these guys, even from WCW or even uh, coming beforehand, right? It's, it's Ric Flair was always the name that you always seen in the magazine type thing, right? From years past. So from him going into WWE, then like, uh, I think it was about a year, year and a half later, winning the Royal Rumble. Absolutely incredible and a great thing to see, especially being a Ric Flair fan. Previous to that, of course, the Four Horsemen. Um, yeah, it was fantastic. Yeah, for sure. Oh, man, my older cousin gave me a big pile of those old uh, PWI magazines. And they used to have the rankings for yeah. each championship, like AWA, and like going all the pretty deep down, like Memphis when they were USWA. And yeah, I was, I was, it was a good era to be a wrestling fan for sure. Right, right. Because here, again, um, we more or less had on Saturdays, we had Maple Leaf Gardens Wrestling and, uh, other like really crummy ones like uh, all star all star wrestling, but uh, seeing it and when the Royal Rumble first started, um, it was almost like WrestleMania, right? Like a big big event, um, and it was it's WrestleMania and Royal Rumble are pretty close in my favorite favorite event of the year. Those are the two I make sure I definitely for sure watch live. That's what everyone has been saying. That's we've been saying for a really long time that you know it's hard to differentiate between the two like i think as an event royal rumble is my favorite but the spectacle the season finale of wrestling is always wrestlemania and you know having royal rumble as the kickoff to the road to wrestlemania it just works you know it's the probably the best three four months of wrestling in the year that wwe gives us like that's it is what it is right and it, like pat patterson started off with the royal rumble the road to wrestlemania the 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 story, right? I'm a big story guy. So the road to WrestleMania and the stories that you see or who is this person going to fight, like which one, which champs, so on and so forth, um, is good to see, right? It's really, really Why? good to see. Especially Why nowadays when storylines, sorry, Matthew, especially nowadays when storylines are going so quick and consistent, it's good to see a build, right? So. I couldn't agree more. And yeah, the Royal Rumble is so perfect for that because they have so many moving pieces, so many different storylines playing out at once. That's a big part of uh, what makes this event so special, for sure. But enough about what's so great about it. Uh, before we let you go, what do you think is your single uh, least favorite or worst memory of the Royal Rumble? What is the worst spot, the thing that just angered you the most? Angered me the most? I don't know so much on anger hang on let me think i remember what the funniest thing i ever saw was when <laughs> Do uh, tell. You know, when titus went underneath the ring i remember <laughs> that um but angers me the most probably that year that uh everybody wanted daniel bryan to win yeah. right and you, you everybody had that that you wanted daniel daniel bryan to win i was just watching too um well, especially with Roman, when the stuff with Roman, he didn't win that year. And then remember the Batista? Oh, yeah. When Batista won and the, the yep. child crant. And I, I just finished watching this week, actually, uh, A Day in the Life of or whatever that uh, WWE uh, uh, 
documentary type thing and they showed that day in the life of Batista and where everybody was when Rey Mysterio came in I think 29 and everybody was booing right yeah. or it was 30 it was a 30 he was 30 yeah, was, yeah, he was 30 yeah it was 30 so everybody was booing and then Batista, you hear Batista they had the mic uh the ring mic on and he's like I just want to go home <laughs> you know what I mean even after yeah. he won so yeah that that was probably yeah that's probably the biggest disappointment because again Royal Rumble as of late, I wouldn't say in the past, as of late, it seems like they're trying to do the opposite of what people really want, except for, like, this year's a prime example. Everybody wanted Edge to win. Like, even the odds in Vegas are saying Edge was going to win. Um, and Bianca, right? Everybody, like, wants to see somebody win. And they're finally putting them over. I think they're uh, reacting, I guess to fan what fans want to see a little more, which is a little better. And I'm not saying it has to happen every time too, but there was a lot of times that WWE swerved away from that and it's whatever they wanted to happen. And that's probably the disappointing part, right? That's the only disappointment I have in it. The Royal Rumble is always a great event. It's always a great, um, in most part, always a great match. And it's always something that somebody looks forward to. It's an hour long. Like a lot of people get upset um, sometimes watching a 60-man Ironman match, right? Um, but this, you have to think, is over an hour long normally, right? And people are always intrigued thinking who's next? Um, who's going to win? Um, what's going to go? Who's What title is he going to fight for? Or is she going to fight for now, right? So disappointments, back to the disappointments, I think definitely is... When you want, when the fans are wanting somebody to win, or you're expecting them to win, or hopefully get a push, or they're overlooking, that's probably the biggest disappointment. Yeah, and we went through a few years of that, you know. But I, I would say that the past what three, they've really done a great job, and we've been seeing some different creative matches, great booking. Like say what right. you want. We talked about this. We're going to talk about this on the show. And last year's with Brock Lesnar, it's something that will never happen again but it was good to see that one time right yeah oh yeah no like i'm i'm not the biggest i love brock lesnar years past but and when they brought him back and he's going through the run i haven't been as big fan of them i like watching wrestling like i like watching a 20 minute wrestling match right but him coming in last year and doing that first 15 type thing that was absolutely incredible that's brilliant to do and then putting drew over drew over Brock like that was the best for both characters, right? Brock doesn't need a belt. He's a beast, right? Drew and putting Drew over as the guy that's bigger than Brock finally for change, like almost like a passing of the torch, right? Um, Like Undertaker did with Brock is, is definitely good to see. So you're right. Yeah. The last three years, I actually think since when they, when they did give Daniel Bryan that one push too, it's been a lot better compared to years before that. I think so, and I'm glad you touched on that Drew McIntyre thing specifically because it's one thing to just do a spot in the Royal Rumble where Brock Lesnar kills everyone because it's cool, but they actually immediately did something with it and built a new character through it, so I think that was really good as well. Uh, yeah, but thank you for coming by. What, uh, where can we see more of you, and uh, what, what are you doing in the next coming weeks? All right, well... Yeah, you can definitely go follow us on the Dark Side of the Elite. You can see us on Apple and Spotify. Just look up Dark Side of the Elite. You also can follow our Facebook page, Dark Side of the Elite and We the Dark Order North, and on YouTube, both of the same names. And 
I guess we have something big coming up in the next couple of weeks, eh, guys? Are we yep, allowed to say anything you, you yet? Can, yep, <laughs> you can talk about it. You can tell people what it is and what it's going to be and what the basic premise is. Let that cat out of the bag. All right. Well, fantastic. The Dark Side of the Elite team up with the best NXT talkers that are out there. NXT Talk, Boris and Matthew. And we are going to do a show called All Elite Takeover. It's going to be incredible. We're going to review both products. Again, we more or less do AEW. They do NXT and AEW as well. I hear your podcast. It's absolutely amazing. And we're going to say what's the best and possibly the worst scenarios for both promotions each month. We'll do it once a month and go through it. And at the end, I believe we'll get the people to comment and say whatever was the better promotion or whatever they like most at the end of it. So go follow us as well on Facebook at All Elite Takeover. You can look it up. The group is slowly growing, but uh, come and join and listen to us coming to BA, TBA, sorry, to BA, but TBA uh, announced at the end of the month, roughly. All right, guys, and thank you again for having me on. Thank you so much. And that's right, All Elite Takeover coming at you soon. Justin Zane, 66, thank you so much. We'll chat soon. Thanks for coming by. I right. appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Um, well, let's keep this train going. Uh, match number 39, CM Punk versus The Rock, WWE title, Royal Rumble 2013. from Underrated Phoenix, match. Phoenix, Arizona. I agree, underrated match. Uh, we had the corpse of JBL and Jerry Lawler calling this match, so it wasn't the great call that a match of this stature necessarily warranted. They worked very hard. There was a lot of shenanigans. The lights went out. The shield uh, supposedly interfered, but we didn't actually see it, so... Who knows, but it was definitely the Shield. And yeah, they restart the match after CM Punk wins. The classic dusty finish. The Rock goes home with the title. Everybody goes home happy. It was the main event of the show. What did you think? You said underrated match? This, In my opinion, this one was underrated. I think this Rock run was overall pretty underrated. Like people, I don't think people understand about like how big... The Rock was at this point, and how many eyes it got on the product. Absolutely. You know, I think us as wrestling fans sometimes we're so we look inwards into our own world. We don't realize the outside world. Um, good example of this: Bad Bunny. Do you understand yeah. how popular this man is? I actually don't. I don't. I'm not great with new music. I'm a fucking old young gun, Boris. But yeah, no. I actually, I I'm not familiar with the works of Bad Bunny. But I did bring up to like in a group chat, like, oh, Bad Bunny is performing, and my friend was like, oh shit, he's really popular. He's <laughs> super popular. He's yeah. the most overact in Puerto Rico. It's insane, um, and the entire Latin world. So this is like a perfect combination. Yeah. For WWE, and I guess my point is, is like sometimes we don't realize how big certain things are because we're in the wrestling world, and we know The Rock as The Rock. Yeah, I understand that people do see him as a super mega star as wrestling fans, but I don't think people realize how huge this was because yeah. you had a Hollywood stud, Dwayne Johnson, you yeah. know, winning the belt, yes, carrying your belt. 
for for a good of a chunk of time, a couple months here, yeah, a quarter of a year, yeah, absolutely. So yeah, no, uh, and it was The Rock's first big match in a long time, and I think he delivered. CM Punk obviously did a great job, and it was laid out extremely well, despite the fact that the lights went out and uh, big old schmas happened. Good match, number thirty nine on our list. Moving on, a little two two Royal Rumble uh, back to back pack here coming at you. Number thirty eight and number thirty seven. Number thirty eight, the first women's Royal Rumble, Royal Rumble two thousand eighteen, and number thirty seven, the most recent men's Royal Rumble from the Thunderdome, Royal Rumble two thousand twenty one. So that's thirty eight, the two thousand eighteen women's Royal Rumble, thirty seven, the two thousand twenty one men's Royal Rumble. Any qualms? Any suggestions? No, you know what? I gotta say with the with the with the Women's Rumble, I expected the worst. I'll be honest. That first Women's Rumble, yeah. I was not expecting a clean match. I was not expecting anything from this. And not to take away from women's wrestling. I think women's wrestling is fantastic. But if you looked at the roster at the time, you know, it just it just wasn't adding up. It's WWE. You know, Stephanie invented yeah, women's absolutely. wrestling. So Stephanie, like, Stephanie actually comes down to do color commentary in yes. this match. Who should note? Yes. And the fact that this women's rumble was missing Charlotte, you know? Yeah. That's a huge, that's huge a, thing. It's a really good call. And yeah, and they delivered a really good match, a very entertaining, worthy of the first uh, women's Royal Rumble. I, I think uh, the right person won for sure. I think the surprise entrance were, you know, uh, Good enough, exciting enough, surprising enough, and Stephanie McMahon, God bless her, she held her own on commentary. All right, let's take a look at this. 2018, yes. Asuka wins. Yes. 2019, her and Becky. Yeah. 2020, her and Becky. Yeah. 2021, okay, it was what it was. But I'm just no, I I like it. I think I think I think the women's rumble is in a good place. I think the four, the right women is one every year. I yeah. really do. I think all four women are going to be. Great wrestlers for a long time. I don't think there's anything to be embarrassed about. I, I'm really liking the women's rumble so far. I think it's yep. four for four. Yep, and I agree. And specifically to the Oscar thing, yes. it's, I think that people forget how much they've given her, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. The last not, two weeks have been bad. <laughs> yes, the, now, the last two weeks have been bad. And there have been bad kind of months here and there, bad stretches. But overall, I think she's done fantastic. You know, much better than 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 Kenta or, you know, yeah. anyone else. That's Hideo Tommy, I meant yeah. many. But yeah. he was riddled, yes. Matt riddled with injuries, <laughs> right? So, Dear sweet Kyrie saying, oh, my God, I loved her so much. She was so good. I hate yeah, Nia Jax was. with every inch of my beard. I know. But, you know. <laughs> Not really. The, I don't hate her. Yeah. But the men's <laughs> rumble. The men's rumble yes. this year. Um, I know we touched on this. I know I said I would come back to it, so we're gonna come back to it, and that is the fact this age decrepancy, this age issue, yes, the age discrepancy, yes, or or age decrepancy, decrepancy. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Boris. Um, no, I think you accidentally hit the nail on the head there. They were, that was my ESL. They, they were fucking too. decrepit. That was my ESL too. But that's fair. That's fair. Um, yeah, no, it's like who else at this point, right? Who else has the star power? Oh, yeah. It was literally him, Daniel Bryan, or Biggie. And I understand the story. It looks like, and perhaps I'm wrong, but just because Omos eliminated him, I think we're getting AJ versus Biggie or AJ and Omos and maybe someone else versus New Day. I think that's going to be the WrestleMania thing. And I'm for it. If it's Biggie versus AJ, awesome. They can have a really good match. It'll make Biggie look strong, and Biggie will definitely go over. As long as Christian gets that chance at Biggie that he deserves. Ah! 
How many years ago? The Intercontinental title shot that he earned and then retired. Yep. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I, I feel you on that. Super for it. Um, great, great fucking pull, by the way. Uh, anyway, yes. So I, I like this match a lot. I think they set up a lot of things. Uh, it's really hard to do a Royal Rumble without fans, Boris. Jeez. You know what I mean? I was skeptical the entire time. I knew they would pull it off. You know, the past few Rumbles have been really good. Um, and I think that this one was good. I think this one was well booked. I think that in the grand scheme of things, um, the right person won. Yep. You know, unfortunately, yes, you can create stars, but it's hard to create a star at Royal Rumble. I, I feel that Royal Rumble is the place to give an established star the win. And then, unfortunately, we don't have this event anymore, but the King of the Ring would oh. be an event where someone new comes up, right? Like, yeah. remember back in the mid-90s, King of the Ring, your up-and-coming guy won Royal Rumble. The next big thing one. Yeah, I understand that logic. I think you can do it. Actually, uh, my roommate, who's a casual wrestling fan, doesn't watch it too much. He brought up a really interesting idea. He said, have they ever had an NXT wrestler actually win the Royal Rumble? And I think that would be a really cool way to call somebody up. They come to NXT, they win the title, they can choose whatever brand they're on, they're going to fight that champion, that would put somebody over huge. I'd love to see that. I think there are ways... To make the Royal Rumble create a new star. They don't always do it. But there are sometimes. There's the John Cena versus Batista. Sometimes there's the Rhea Ripley versus Bianca Belair. Boris, you know? (laughs) I think they do it sometimes. And sometimes Baron Corbin just needs to get (laughs) his main event spot. How do you like Baron Corbin more than Cody Rhodes? That doesn't make fucking any sense. I refuse to accept that. You don't even know if I do or don't. You don't know if this is an act. You don't know if this is a thing. I'm tired of this. I'm tired of this heel persona, Boris. Be real with me. We're podcast partners. No, okay. Moving on. The final match in the three and three quarter out of five elimination Baron tiers. Corbin and who? <laughs> Fuck out of here, for the love of God. The final match in three and three quarters. The final very good, but not quite great match. And this one was, to me, the single hardest match on the list to rate. I know exactly what it is. This now. is where I went with it. I couldn't couldn't call it a great match in my heart. I just couldn't. But I couldn't call it anything less than this because it was so compelling. Such a fucking gripping piece of television. It's Mankind versus The Rock. I quit WWF title Royal Rumble 1999. This match is a classic. Not only is it classic because of WWE and WWF, whatever you want to call them, um, and everything that it brought, you know, the storytelling of this match, um, the match itself, you know, and, and, and just the brutality of it. But what I think really added to this match as a wrestling fan is beyond the mat. Yes, absolutely. And Mankind's book also added a ton to this match because yes. they told the whole story of, of his plan, how it kind of veered off plan, his original idea for the finish, what they went with with the finish, his frustrations with the yep. match and the finish, his frustrations with The Rock, who fucking almost murdered this man legitimately to fucking death in this match. It was crazy. There are more than one occasion on this match. There's more than one occasion in this match where Mankind turns around. He's very clearly giving The Rock his back, quote unquote. He's saying to The Rock, hit me in the back with a chair. And The Rock either turns around, runs around him, or waits for him to turn around. He just he just refuses to hit him in the back. And he fucking brains him in the head again but and again. I feel like this was also a case of The Rock being so green. Like, yes. let's remember, The Rock 
learned how to wrestle in 1995. Yeah. This is 1999. The Rock was not has not gone through death matches. Yes. You know? He's not yeah, he's he's very although he grew up in the business, he's very new to the wrestling aspect of it and he's trying very hard to get himself over. He's finally the world champ. He's finally at that level. He's he's got to be a badass. He's got to look tough. He's wrapped up in the moment. And I'm not saying that The Rock is a bad person. Obviously, he's, he's a great person. Like look at him, but he fucked up here. He fucked yeah, up big time. here. Oh, big yeah. time. Like this was he almost he like this is disgusting watching this back. It's it's I it's it's a gripping piece of television and mankind gives and gives to this business and he gave so much for this match. But I I can't I can't look myself in the mirror and call it great. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's fucking it's it's a disgusting piece of of television in a lot of ways. It really is. But it was you know this is the thing. This is where we're like you know we're sick fucks because mm-hmm. this match is just so good yeah. at the end of the day. It's it, you can't you can't watch this and say it's not gripping. It's not entertaining at the very least. And you know what else? Michael Cole does a great job at this match. I dare say it's before Vince McMahon beat the soul out of him. And I think he does. He, I think Michael Cole was better in 1999 than he is now. 100. <laughs> percent All right. So uh, that is the end of that tier. We're moving on to a new tier. So from this point forward, we have hit. Four out of five eliminations, Boris. These matches going forward are at least 80%. They are great matches. They are at least an A, but these ones are an A- minus. if you want to be a dick about it. All right. I know which matches are left in the pool of matches. I know we're getting close. It'll be fun. And and I'm going to start questioning our friendship and our partnership soon. (laughs) All right, well, we'll see. We'll see. Number 35, the inaugural. Royal Rumble 1988. I thought they did a really good job with it. They, they've they tried this uh, concept before on house shows. It was a, apparently a disaster. It did not yep. get over. It did not go well. They took a shot at the dark here. They put it against the Bunkhouse Stampede in 1988. Such a rousing success that 34 years later, we're here talking about it, Boris. Yeah, and what a concept. The fact that it was on free TV for the first year. The fact that it was, you know, counter-programming. The fact that it was this whatever crazy idea that Pat Patterson wanted or, you know, got the green light to do. It's amazing to think that, like, you know, 34 years, here we are still talking about that one night in Hamilton. What? Yeah. What? what well, the, 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 yes. But what a great idea for Pat Patterson. Rest in peace to the great Pat Patterson. Thank you for supplying us with this beautiful Royal Rumble. And shout out to Hacksaw Jim Duggan, the inaugural winner. Uh, number 34, number 34, the 2020 Women's Royal Rumble match, Minute Maid Park, Houston, Texas. Yes. This was won by Charlotte Flair. Really, really good little Royal Rumble. Yeah, it was, this one was a lot of fun. Um, I gotta say, the Women's Royal Rumble always makes me nervous, just because you never know what's gonna happen, right? Like, I find that with women's matches, if they're too overbooked, things yeah. tend to go wrong. Wonky. Uh, Wonky, yes. And I'm trying so hard not to say the wrong things right now. But uh, you know exactly what I mean, right? Like, it's I feel like yeah. they're yeah. very competent. They're very good. They yeah. know what they're doing. They're better than us as we drink our beers. You can and hear booze. my drink clinking yeah. in the background throughout exactly. this podcast you know? as we go further. We know nothing. We're Jon Snow's right now. But, you know, it always makes me nervous. With these overbooked matches and the women, but they've always been able to pull these off. 
Yeah. And successfully. Absolutely. The Royal Rumbles especially. Like, I don't think there's been a bad women's Royal Rumble yet. I think we're, uh, like I said, I think we're four for four. And, uh, yeah, this was a really good one. Quite enjoyed it. Great wrestling match. Moving on, number 33, number Patrick Roy, number Larry Bird. Patrick Roy, sorry. Number 33, the 1990 Royal Rumble match from Orlando, Florida. Star-studded affair, much like the 89 one. Much better. Very, very entertaining. A lot of managers in the outside. This was the first and perhaps only year that all the managers were allowed to be outside. A lot of fun. Tony Schiavone and Jesse Ventura on the call. Quite enjoyed this match, Boris. Yeah, although this is the one Royal Rumble where they issued managers licenses and permits. Yes. So that's why they were out there. (laughs) But the important thing, and something that I want to talk about, and I thought this would be higher, to be honest, it's because of that legendary showdown with the final two. Yes. Well, it wasn't... Well, we've talked about this briefly before in other podcasts, but yes. So the final two of this match was Mr. Perfect versus Hollywood Hulk Hogan. Not yet Hollywood Hulk Hogan. But yes, yeah, so uh, we've we've, uh, go back to our uh, Survivor Series podcast to uh, listen about our thoughts on uh, the whole... Hulk Hogan, Mr. Perfect thing. But yeah, I, I think there's a great argument to be had that Mr. Perfect should have won the title from Hulk Hogan, possibly even at WrestleMania six. That was not a thing that they would ever do. They were never going to push Mr. Perfect to the level he deserved to be pushed. There was also another legendary showdown in this Royal Rumble, which was, of course, Hogan and the Warrior face to face, which is a blueprint that they've copied on maybe almost every single Royal Rumble, if not, like, more often than not, they do, yeah. like, the two big stars face off against each other. Oh, my God, the crowd, what are they yeah. going to do? See, the thing is, this is the era, pre-93, was the era where your champion could have been part of the Rumble. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it, it made sense to do that. And, it kind and of- I love how I say that, because literally, 88, 89, 90 were the only years that this was possible. 91, they had a match. Yeah. Um, and then 92, 92 the, champ well, was, the belt was... Yeah. And 92, the champ was... Yeah, the belt was the... Uh, sorry, the match, the Royal Rumble match, was for the WWF title. But what I was just... I was mixing up thoughts because in 2000 and... What was it? 16, they did the... Uh, they yep. did the, the same the exact Hunter. gimmick. And then Brock Lesnar entered number one with the WWE title. Spoiler, that happened as well. We'll talk about that later, Boris. Okay, so moving on. We have a little cruiserweight double pack for you coming here. Number 32, Neville versus Rich Swan. Who? Oh, sorry, Pac. No, that's Neville versus Rich Swan. This is a potential, you might see this down the road, AEW versus TNA I was crossover. Literally <laughs> about to say this. It's like, watch us see this rematch in a couple weeks, couple months, Absolutely. whatever. It's possible. Neville versus Rich Swan. And 31, Akira Tozawa versus Buddy Murphy versus Hideo Itami versus Kalisto uh, from the Royal Rumble 2019 pre-show. Yes. That match. Honestly. Honestly? Yeah. Maybe one of the best matches of that night. Yeah. Definitely high on the list. These In the era where the cruiserweights were... On the show, but not on the show. You know what I mean? They were not quite given uh, any real chance to succeed. They were just slotted hard and firm in the opening slash pre-show position. They still had a chance to shine somewhat. They still took the opportunity to be on TV and work very, very hard. These are two examples of really good cruiserweight matches that stood out in the abyss. 
you know, when they, when they didn't take them seriously. But yeah, I, I really like Neville and Rich Swan especially. The crowd was not with it at first, and they fucking willed them into it. They really worked so hard that you can see them, like, with every move, it was like a little percentage. More and more and more got into yeah. it. And then yeah, the uh, the Fatal 4-Way match was just a crazy spot fest. It was, uh, in terms of WWE, one of the crazier spot fests I can actually think of. Honestly, go back and watch it. You'd be surprised. They do a lot of crazy shit in this match. That's Akira Tozawa versus Buddy Murphy versus Atami versus Kalisto in the 2019 pre-show. I'm telling you, crazy spot fest for WWE standards anyway. Yep. All right, so we're in the top 30 now, Boris. Here we go. This is another one that I'm holding near and dear to my heart. Might only be myself. Tell me if I'm wrong, Boris. Number 30, Mr. McMahon versus Ric Flair Street Fight. Royal Rumble 2002. Inarguably, my opinion, a great match. Storyline driven. The hatred. Vince McMahon, Ric Flair. Just It's not a technical masterpiece, but Vince McMahon takes a camera from Ashley Flair, the future Charlotte Flair, takes a picture of her bloody father and gives it back to her. Is that not great pro wrestling? Are you not entertained, Boris? Dude, honestly, this match was one of those matches I remember even back then. Because remember, this was Flair's second run with the company. This was Flair, you know, over the hill. Yes. Here here we are, 20 years later. 20 <laughs> years later. Uh, uh, you know? Yes. But he was he was visibly over the hill 20 years ago. He's 75. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, but this was such a good run of Flair. Oh, yeah. And I found that this program was so good because this led into, like, just so many great programs between the two, which eventually led into the brand split. Yeah, absolutely. And, and in was, the middle of that was Undertaker and Ric Flair. Yeah, also a really good little feud. Uh, Undertaker, David Flair promo backstage where he beats him up. One of the greats of all time. The one time we saw David Flair. <laughs> WWE TV. But yeah, this was the brand, the original brand split was the best time, the best instance of the brand split by far. It was the most, it's the most serious that they took well, it. The draft was the most sports-like. It's not, here's, you know, I, and I feel like a, Dumbass for saying this sometimes. But, and I hate being critical of the talent because they do the best that they can. But there is something, there is something to be said about how serious the talent took yeah. it back then compared to now. That makes sense. I see that. There's really. And I'm not no... trying to be an undertaker right now. I'm just <laughs> trying to say that, like, you know, the talent legitimately wanted to be the better show. Yeah, absolutely. You can see that. And, and and there was a difference between the shows, too. Raw was more promo and more storyline, and SmackDown was more in-ring wrestling and like more of the athletic aspect. Yeah, the issue now is that, at the end of the day, no wrestling show should be three hours. No. Like TV. Oh, my God. No. Absolutely not. Pay-per-views. Or podcasts. Moving on. <laughs> Number 29. The most recent match uh, in this here great match list, the match of the night, in my opinion, of the most recent Royal Rumble, Kevin Owens versus Roman Reigns, the last man standing. It was en route to being even better, but the finish was just really bad. A lot of people didn't like this. So tell me, Matt, what was it about this match that you really enjoyed? Kevin Owens died for our sins. He worked so very hard. These guys have incredible chemistry. Spoiler alert, we're going to see Kevin Owens versus Roman Reigns again later on this list, Boris. These guys work incredibly well together. This was very, very well done. I think Kevin Owens did everything he possibly could to have gotten a good match out of an empty arena setting. Yeah, He lived up. You felt the hatred that the story was telling. 
You know what I mean? It, there was no chance that Kevin Owens possibly could win. And really, in in like if you want WrestleMania to be a good show, you kind of don't want Kevin Owens to win this match because what is you know Roman Reigns is the big star. But every wrestling fan was cheering for Kevin Owens here because they told the story so well. He was fighting for his family. I just think it worked. It it gripped me anyway. And Kevin Owens takes about three or four insane bumps in this match insane like people wrestling fans need to be a little more appreciative sometimes maybe perhaps 100% 100%. here's the thing about this match the last five minutes really ruined it for me yes you saw the ending coming a mile away you saw even the ref bump Paul Heyman didn't help no you know with the botch of the of the cups yeah that's the thing yeah so Paul Heyman is trying to they handcuff Roman Reigns to a to a stanchion some kind of thing and he Roman Reigns is handcuffed too close to the bottom so he can't stand up the ref's counting him one two three four five and he has to stop and pretend he's looking at a bird in the sky because he can't quite you know yeah so it's it's worth noting that the finish of this match was horrendous yep yeah and for me you know I'm being consistent because on Wednesdays we often talk about the ending of a particular match hurting a match. Yeah. So, you know, I'm surprised that you rated this as high as you did. But consider just literally the blood, sweat, and tears that both guys gave Absolutely. to this match. They worked so hard. Kevin Owens got ran over by a fucking golf cart. And I've heard people say it was treated like comedy or something. If that was your read of it, that's fine. I just, that was not my read of it. I screamed. I was like, oh my God, is he okay? Like I sent you this text and I'm going to say it now. He did it for the rock. Yeah. <laughs> what is it about these Samoans and, and vehicular homicide? Oh, my God. He did it for the people. Yes. Uh, but this was, I thought they worked hard and I would have rated it even higher, Boris. I'll tell you that much. It had it not been for the bad finish. One last note. Yes. Now that we're talking about Kevin Owens. Yes. Kevin Owens, to me, and I feel weird making this comparison, but stay with me. Uh-oh. You said he's the wrestler's wrestler. Uh oh. It's not William Regal, because yeah. that's a man's man. Yeah. Um Chris Benoit. Yeah. There's a lot of Chris Benoit about Kevin Owens. Yeah, there's not as much dynamite kid aping as Chris Benoit had, but you he's like I see what you mean. He's like he he's Canadian, he's a fucking fighter, he's just he's he's real. But you know what? Kevin Owens is way more charismatic than Benoit ever was. Oh, one hundred percent. There's that's honestly yeah. for me. For the longest time, what held Benoit back, even when he was champion, I'll never yeah. forget the night after WrestleMania 20, and they let him open Raw with a promo. I'm like, oh my god. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Anyways, you know Benoit talk. <laughs> yes, and we'll get to more later, I'm sure. So that was 29. Moving on, number 28, Brock Lesnar versus Finn Balor, Royal Rumble 2019. Balor versus the Beast. Do you remember this one? Oh. This is honestly one of my, if not my favorite, Balor match in yeah. WWE. Yeah, I think so. Finn uh, Balor looked really good. Not only did he look really good, you were. This was. I feel like a dumbass making these comparisons sometimes, but this is your Taka Michinoku versus Triple H. Yes. Your Chris Jericho generation. getting the fake win against Triple H <laughs> scenario, where you were convinced for at least a few moments. That this guy is going to beat Brock Lesnar. There's a specific spot where Brock Lesnar runs into the corner of the announce table. Finn's got him worked over. And then Brock 
Finn's got him like he's going to set him up for the double stomp and Brock rolls to the middle of the ring. So it's like, oh, he's gotten away yeah. from it. And then Finn Balor gives him the fucking double stomp from the top rope all the way to the middle of the ring. And it's yeah. disgusting. And the entire place thinks yeah. that Finn's going to win the world yeah. title. That's or, or, as Corey Graves would say, his cut the grass. <laughs> yes, his cup to grass. Yes, <laughs> Not at all close. Anyway, yeah, the coup de gras. But yeah, very, very good little fucking match. A great wrestling match. A great performance from both guys. I would like to see it again. Here's the thing about Lesnar. Lesnar is so underrated by the fans. Yeah. It's people don't want to like him. They don't realize that how good he actually is. Not only as a wrestler... But for the business. No, oh, yeah, for sure. He helps I mean, tremendously. I think I think he's going to age better than he is taken right now. People will appreciate him more when he's gone. And they will. Yeah. he'll be a Hall of Famer, rightfully so. Gone as a wrestler. Yes, 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 exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I didn't want to get morbid there. Moving on entirely. Because the reason why I'm being very specific about things is because we were just listening. We took a break. We had some food. And we were listening to Alvarez. And Alvarez, when he podcasts, you know, he doesn't use the best verbiage. He doesn't explain things properly. And he can sound very wrong sometimes. Just so, just uh, full clarifications. Yeah, so I'm trying to be as clear and concise as humanly possible on a podcast. Anyways, continue. Sorry, and, Matt. and also set up the future Matt and Boris versus uh, Brian and Vinny tag team match. Uh, <laughs> moving on. Uh, number 27. This is number Alex Kovalev. Uh, Asuka versus Becky Lynch won SmackDown Women's title Royal Rumble 2019. The superior Asuka versus Becky match, really good. Uh, hard-hitting, straightforward, no-nonsense. I think it's probably the best match of the 2019 Royal Rumble. Proper pay-per-view opener. Do you remember this one, Boris? How do you feel about it? 100% I remember this one. I remember because I was in Oakville watching this with my little nephew, nice. my big brother. We were watching as a family, and I'm like, wow, this is a good match. But I've, I'll be honest, I've been an Asuka mark since yeah. she showed up at the WWE. I saw some of her earlier work post her signing post her turning into Asuka, but this is just yeah. This match was so good, top. And level. I love the storytelling here because you know it was the whole Becky Lynch is done, right? Yeah, it was. Yeah, Becky Lynch's big rise. Becky Lynch is 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 gonna beat Asuka and, and go to WrestleMania, and she's so popular and this and that. But you know what? No, Asuka was too good. Nobody, in fact, Boris was ready for the great Asuka in 2019. Anyway. Moving on, number 26, we're entering a little last man standing pack here. Number 26, Triple H versus Shawn Michaels, world heavyweight title, last man standing match, 2004. One of the rare last man standing matches that goes to a draw. Yeah, I got to say, these two don't have in-ring chemistry together against each other. What? You don't think so? I, I don't think so. Huh, because... I don't want to give away a future list or anything, but I think my favorite match ever is a Triple H versus Shawn Michaels match ever in the history of wrestling. Really? I really do. Damn. Yeah. I, I don't know. Maybe it's just the way that I see it, but I've always found that they work better together when they're on the same side as opposed to against that's each other. I That's interesting. I, th I would say the opposite. I think I like them much better as opponents than as teammates. Uh, and the, well, Sometimes we have to agree to disagree. Yes, sir. I think, you know, Baron Corbin is the man. <laughs> you do not. I am a so. rational human being with a brain and beating heart inside of my chest. <laughs> I got to drop this heel gimmick. 
It's not even a gimmick. It's like yeah, you do like you do actually hate Cody Rhodes and want to fight him, but no, that's not, not for real. <laughs> that part's a gimmick. But uh, yeah, I, I think uh, Triple H and Shawn Michaels. This was not my favorite match in the history of wrestling. This was number twenty-six on the Royal Rumble list, but it was a good match. Last man standing. They worked hard. A little self-indulgent, but that's Triple H and Shawn Michaels. No, oh, I thought you were talking about Cody for a second. I'm sorry. <laughs> Come on, can we play? So I, I gotta like. I got to make some edits. (laughs) Not this one, though. This stays in. Number 25, Alberto Del Rio versus The Big Show, last man standing, from Royal Rumble 2013. We don't need to go through Alberto Del Rio again. This was a really good match, slightly hurt by the fact that they had the exact same match on Friday, and then they just had it again on Sunday. But you know what? When you're going back and watching these things, you don't see the match on Friday, and guess what? This one was still very good, too. Yep, I agree. Great match. Number 25 on our list, moving on to number 24 on our list, also last man standing, Dean Ambrose versus Kevin Owens for the Intercontinental title, Royal Rumble 2016. Awesome fucking match. They beat the shit out of each other. Yeah. Man, what I wouldn't give to see these two fight outside of WWE. Yeah. I would love to see both Adam Cole and or Kevin Owens in AEW just because they were so intertwined with everyone who's in AEW now when they were all in PWG. They were yeah. so they were so together. They were so part of like Kevin Owens would do commentary all the time on P- in PWG and he was so fucking funny. He was so good. If anyone can catch those videos, whether it be on YouTube or yes. DVDs, watch Kevin Owens on yeah. commentary. Anytime there was a six-man tag that Kevin Owens was calling or any kind of match that Kevin Owens was calling. Chuck Taylor also was really good on PWG commentary, but the Kevin best, Owens was the best. The best team? Excalibur and Kevin Owens. Yes. Awesome Kev- awesome chemistry. Yeah, great. One of the greatest commentary teams of the of the decade, of the 2010s. Uh, t- uh, yes. The Knots. The Knots, indeed. But yeah, so that was number 24. Sticking with the gimmick... Uh, match aspect, but no, no longer a last man standing. We're going to the greatest casket match in the history of wrestling. Boris, number 23 me, on our list. I haven't seen your list. Is it Michaels? Of course. Undertaker? Of course. Okay. Number 23, Royal Rumble 1998. Go back and watch this thing. It's really good. And they even do a little callback to 1994. A shitload of guys run in. But guess what? Kane comes and he saves his brother. Oh, what a moment. And then Kane turns on him and sets his brother on fire. Yes. But yeah, and also Shawn Michaels uh, breaks his back and leaves the business for four years. Other than those two things, great match though. (laughs) No, no, but this is actually an incredible wrestling match. This is one of those matches where it was a smaz, a, you know, anytime there's a smaz, I always think of Joe from SNME. Our, yes. our buddy. Um, and I'm like, oh, he's going to hate this. or Do I, Am I really enjoying this? But this is one of those smazes that actually worked. Yeah, it, it told the story they needed to tell. Set up a number of different things. Shawn Michaels continued to like not deserve the title, but be that champion you fucking hated. And if only there was a true hero to come back and take him away. And it, 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 it also set up... Uh, Kane and Austin, or Kane and Undertaker, sorry, perfectly. They had yet to actually wrestle, and now Kane is actually setting this guy on fire. Like, it was some crazy, cheesy Vince Russo shit, but this is what we're getting in 1998. Yeah, because this was around the time, remember, you have to remember the storyline where Undertaker refused to wrestle his brother. Yes, yes. So, he, uh, so Kane kept 
doing worse and worse and worse yes. and worse than The Undertaker. And on the Monday Night Raw prior to this, it was the first time that there was actually some kind of bonding between Undertaker and Kane. There's a famous Jim Ross call. Oh, what a moment! When Kane does the Undertaker pose and the Undertaker does it back to Kane and the pyro goes off. Yeah, it, it's very, very yeah, entertaining. I remember. I, dude, I remember this so well. And yeah, it's just, you know, these types of brother versus brother things yeah. for me always mean so much more because I do have a brother. Yeah, exactly. And I will right? always side with the little brother. <laughs> no matter what. No matter what. Absolutely. I feel like I am the big brother, so fuck you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Between Edge and Christian, who's the little brother? I believe, that's really funny. I believe in kayfabe Christian is, but I'm not sure about that. Yeah. Maybe it, it should probably, I don't know. That's funny. <laughs> I think Edge is the older brother in kayfabe, but because they're not real brothers, it's hard to say. I don't know if they ever established that. Are they twins? Yeah. I, they'd still be an older brother. They didn't come out sideways together. I don't know. Anyway, moving on forever. They were brooding along. <laughs> oh, 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 all right. <laughs> match number 22. I'm, I'm telling you, though, this was the greatest casket match. Number 23, greatest casket match in the history of wrestling. There will never be a better one. Actually, there may have been a better one in Lucha Underground. There may have been a better one in Lucha Underground. Mil Muertes was involved. We'll relitigate that at another time. This is the Royal Rumble list, and we're heading to number 22. Boris, the 2005 Royal Rumble match, number 22. From the Save Mart Center in Fresno, California, it was the John Cena versus Batista match. It was where Vince McMahon fucking exploded his quads yep. running into the ring to save things. So, let's recap this match and this ending in particular. Yes, sir. They botched this. Yes. Yes. Yeah, they did. It was not good. There was a number of botches. Vince McMahon blew two of his quads out. Obviously, things didn't go well. Yeah. <laughs> this was not going according to plan. But yeah. not only did the match end Nowhere near the script, but you had an incensed Vince yes. McMahon coming up, trying to restart the match. But what I do love about this, you know, and you kind of had a feeling that this wasn't the end that was planned. So I love the fact this is where and why referees are so important. Yeah. You know, we talk about commentary. We talk about the, the wrestlers. We talk about the crowd. But we never talk about the referees and how important of a part they can play. And in this instance is why they're so important. Because I love the fact that the Raw referees yeah. were trying to say, hey, our guy won. Yeah. The SmackDown referees were saying, no, our guy won. And it, was definitely, uh, it was definitely a good little improv and a good way to kill time while Vince McGrand was figuring out what the fuck do we do here. And again, like before this botch, this was a really good, very, very entertaining Royal Rumble. I think most of the people who I've ever like read reviews or heard talk about this match have considered it one of the best Royal Rumbles. I certainly agree. You can tell it's 22. It's not the greatest Royal Rumble. It is certainly not the greatest Royal Rumble. Also, uh, we were just mentioning now that there's no Saudi Arabian matches in this, in this list. I'm sorry if you didn't notice, but yeah, those don't count. Saudi shows are not uh, in canon. Apparently they are because they <laughs> mentioned that greatest rumble a lot yeah, on Sunday. They actually did. They do count it. Maybe, maybe later, maybe in a year or two, I'll add the Saudi rumbles to this list. But yeah, fuck that. Anyway, so yeah, 2005 Royal Rumble, good match, number 22 on our list. All right. Number 21 on our list and the final match in this tier of four out of five elimination great matches. The final match in this tier, the 2002 Royal Rumble match, 
Phillips Arena, Atlanta, Georgia, won by Hunter Hurst Helmsley, the yeah. evil. So, no, actually, the, the, the good returning from evil. Do you remember <laughs> when Helmsley returned? Yes. Cup, a week, like the Monday before yes. this match. And he was this, like, even Scott Steiner looked mm. small compared to him. Absolutely. He was absolutely fucking yoked. When like, he came back, wearing a leather jacket with a denim vest over top because he didn't give a shit about anything. <laughs> but yeah, no, yeah, Triple H the coming back. The biggest return, and unfortunately, that match at WrestleMania, ah. it was a good match. We'll talk about it some other day, but all I'm going to say is that I wish that match went on earlier in the night and it should have been swapped with another match a hundred percent and i think anyone who knows a little bit about that knows exactly what you're talking about but yeah the 2002 royal rumble very good shocking appearance by mr perfect and it was it was funny because we were watching with my uh my older cousin who didn't really like wrestling too much but he was a big sports fan and the the one wrestler he loved was mr perfect because he did those vignettes with all the athletes and he was a great athlete and that yeah. was his whole gimmick so when he was watching with us and mr perfect came back he about shit his pants because listen such such a fun moment. Listen, internet wrestling community. Sometimes the Royal Rumble is a perfect time to bring back yes. legends, superstars of yesteryear because this relaunched Mr. Perfect's career for Absolutely. a few months. For, and, and they could have gotten way more out of it than they did because it was a classic example of the fans appreciating a wrestler more than Vince McMahon did at the time. I'm worried that, like, you know, John Morrison has fallen into a similar thing at this point. I'm worried Carlito might fall into a similar thing if he Here's when the, and if he comes back. I feel like Carlito is in this boat already because I've always felt that wrestlers, sorry, fans liked him a lot more. Than the company, yeah. Um, unfortunately, you know, if 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 rumor and innuendo, as Bruce per- as Bruce Pritchard would say, uh, is true, you know, it's Carlito who held Carlito back, right? Yeah, true. That's what. Yeah. Well, if he says it, it must be true. He's brother love, after all. Moving on. So the next tier, Boris. These are four and a quarter star matches. These are matches that are somewhere between great and classic. I think. Four and a half is 90%. That's an indisputable classic. Four is 80%. That's great. So this is something special. It's somewhere between great and classic. Anyway, match number 20. The 2006 Royal Rumble match. Rey Mysterio Jr. goes from number two to the victory. Wins it all. Beautiful match. Tribute to Eddie Guerrero. What did you think of this one? Honestly, to me, Eddie Guerrero is... The pinnacle of wrestling. The GOAT. Like, he is. He's the GOAT. No one's going to surpass him. He's had his demons, and he, you know, he beat those demons. Yes. For the most part. Yes. He was the family man. He was a great wrestler. He was everything you want in a person and role model. And he, if it, you know, people always talk about the Latino community, but Eddie Guerrero brought that Latino community to watch wrestling, to watch SmackDown, yeah. to watch him and JBL, to yes. watch him and Ray and Dominic on a pole match. <laughs> you know, like Eddie Guerrero was just like even his, in his WCW days with the LWO, there was always that je ne sais quoi about yeah, him, exactly. right? Like, he was just always had that charisma, that star power that who's this guy? Like, oh, this guy's amazing. Like, yeah. 
Just that that raw charisma. You can just you can just feel how talented he was. And this was a perfect tribute to the man. Rey Mysterio, I believe to this day, has the record uh, non-Saudi division for uh, Royal Rumble. Uh, longevity, yep. as it were. Yep. Uh, yeah, great wrestling match. Kudos to Rey Mysterio. God bless Eddie Guerrero. Match number 19. The Rockers, Marty Jannetty and Shawn Michaels versus the racistly named Orient Express, Kato and Tanaka, Royal Rumble 1991. Uh, classic AWA tag, the bad company of uh, Paul Diamond, I believe it was, and uh, Pat Tanaka. Uh, yeah, uh, the Rockers and the Orient Express tear the fucking house down. This was a this was an unbelievable Young Bucks-style tag team match in 1991. But yeah, incredible, uh, fast-paced Reminiscent of the AEW tag team division, reminiscent of the Young Bucks, Rockers versus Orient, Orient Express. Good stuff out in 1991. Yep. All right. Let's keep going. We're getting up there. Number 18. Sticking with these Rockers. They Rockers explode, they do, Boris. The Rockers explode at the Royal Rumble 1993. It's Marty Jannetty versus Shawn Michaels for the WWF Intercontinental title number 18 on our list. Uh, arguably the MVP of this match, Sensational Sherry. Yeah. Does a great job. This was an awesome angle where Marty Jannetty came back finally after a year of uh, where was he? Like Shawn Michaels put him on the shelf, threw him through a window. Marty Jannetty finally comes back. He appears in the background of Shawn Michaels' mirror when he's doing his sexy boy entrance. They get into a schmoz. Eventually, the uh, the mirror accidentally gets broken over Sherry Martel's head and not Shawn Michaels's. Dear sweet Lord, good heavens, poor Sherry. But it sets up this... Hey, this this blood feud must come to an end at the Royal Rumble 1993, which it definitely didn't. They kept wrestling for six months. Yeah, but a good match, and they would actually have better matches even than this. Yeah, you can't you can't hate this one though. Uh, 1992 to 1995, Shawn Michaels ugh. might be the best heel work in not okay. I shouldn't say the best, but one of the better heel runs in WWE. It wasn't the best, but it was up there. And, you know, you take a guy who was a part of a tag team and he literally just rose to greatness. And what's really cool is you should read his comments about Sherry Martel and how he really credits Sherry Martel for getting him yeah. to that level. Yeah, to help to help not only, like, teach him, like, little things about the business, but help him get out of his shell. Help him, like, pr- pr- project the great, the great uh, personality that he had. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. Uh, Shawn Michaels, a treasure, a treat to this business. Great match. Speaking of Shawn Michaels and great matches and the click and such things, here's a little here's a little selection for you, Boris. Number seventeen, Brett the Hitman Hart versus Big Daddy Cool Diesel, Royal Rumble 1995 WWF World Title. Interesting now, choice. A lot of fuckery in this match. It gets stopped and started a whole bunch. And Bret Hart works straight up heel. He's not even like hiding it a little bit. He's using a chair and blasting this guy in the knee. Very interesting match. But this is awesome, especially for a 1995 match featuring fucking Kevin Nash. Are you kidding me? This is as good as it possibly could have gotten. Bret Hart pulls out a masterpiece here. Yeah. And this is like Diesel had basically just won the belt, right? Yes. Yeah. He won it November 27th, 28th, or something like that of the, pro- of the previous year. So we're literally a month and a bit into his run as a top dog. Yeah. So Bret Hart, you know he put everything he could into helping Diesel 
be that superstar. And it, the story, the story just worked, worked great because you know you had Bob Backlund and Bret Hart in Survivor Series. Then you had Backlund, um, who lost the belt to Diesel immediately, af- immediately after beating Bret. So this is kind of like who is the real champion yeah. now? And yeah, exactly. And it was, and they set it up so that. You, you wanted more. You didn't quite get, uh, well, you not at all got a good finish here. But yeah, you definitely got a satisfying match and you wanted to see more. So I, I thought this was really, really good. Bret Hart versus Diesel. Can't go wrong. Number 16, Kevin Owens versus Roman Reigns. No DQ. Chris Jericho suspended in a shark cage, Boris. Now, the shark cage gimmick, it's been used a number of times in the in the history of wrestling. I bet you this is the best shark cage match that ever happened in the history of the business. Nope. What's a better one? Paul Ellering, NXT TakeOver Toronto, ah! DIY, and, well, FTR. Yeah, fair. Well, maybe, maybe. But I don't know. this one was really high up there. Now, this is, this is the thing about Kevin Owens' run. You know, we were talking a lot about, like, you know, shitbag heels who don't deserve the belt when we were talking about Shawn Michaels, right? Yeah. And this was a very similar run to the Shawn Michaels uh, WWE heel run where he cheated constantly to win the belt or to keep the title. Yeah. Cheated Uh, to win the title in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he was almost presented the title. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, but this is a great match. Um, you know, that chemistry between Jericho and Owens is unmatched. You cannot get that. No, you cannot yeah. replicate that. You know, Jericho can try as hard as he wants with Guevara, with Sammy Hagar, with whom, or with, yeah, you know? Jeff, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I did appreciate that they were like, oh, they put Chris Jericho in a shark cage. Oh, we're not going to cheat. There will be no cheating. It's impossible to cheat. And then... They're just like, yeah, we're just going to cheat to win this match. Yeah, <laughs> and exactly. Chris Jericho just dropped down a weapon to Kevin Owens and they win. Yeah, yep. I thought it was it was perfect in a lot of ways. Uh, awesome match. And Kevin Owens takes two or three nasty bumps yet again. You know what Kevin Owens is, Boris? He's the new Mick Foley in, in a number of different facets. And the one way is that he tries to kill himself once a match. <laughs> yeah. I agree. And I see that 100%. Like, yeah. You know? We'll put a we'll put a pin to this because yes. I feel like this should be explored a little more. All right, um, perhaps we will get into it. Number fifteen, the Dudley Boys versus the Hardy Boys tag team tables match, Royal Rumble two thousand. Boys versus boys. Boys, <laughs> boys will be boys with a Z. Um, yeah, so this is a batshit crazy ladder match that doesn't have ladders. That's what this is. They they kill each other. They do incredible crazy spots. If this holds up as a spot fest today in 2000, it was mind blowing. Uh, definitely something special, something that has been replicated and duplicated. Uh, possibly the greatest example of the balcony senton. Definitely something that you've seen a thousand times replayed over and over. Great match. Yeah. Uh, all right, number 14. Chris Jericho versus The Rock for the unified WCW slash WWF championship Royal Rumble 2002 from Atlanta, Georgia. Lots of fuckery in this match. Yep. There's is this is a uh, they do everything they possibly can to tell you that The Rock is the superior man, but Chris Jericho walked away with the title on this night. The Rock is the babyface, Chris Jericho is the heel. But yeah, this was awesome. Very, very entertaining. Both guys worked hard. They had they had a great chemistry. These two, they didn't really have bad matches together. 
no, overall, you know, I'm trying to remember and think about this. And yeah, overall, they really, they gelled so well. Um, this is Jericho at his, you know, Jericho is one of those guys, you know, what he does outside of the ring, whatever. Yeah. But as a performer, as a wrestler, he's had so many different versions of himself. And I know this is repeated. I know I'm, I'm not saying anything new, but as a wrestler, even. Like, you look at the various stages of Jericho, and this is, like, one of those stages where, like, he was a B-plus player taking on A-plus players and convincingly hanging out with them. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. He was elevating himself in front of our very eyes in this period, absolutely. And this was this was an example of him showing that he belonged in the main event scene. For yep. sure, Boris. Yep. Good call. All right, number 13, lucky number 13. We're going to 2008 for the 2008 Royal Rumble match, MSG. Uh, called by <clears throat> Jerry Lawler, Jim Ross, Joey Styles, Jonathan Coachman, Michael Cole, and Taz for the first and I hope last six-man booth in wrestling history, or at wow. least WWE. Wow. Yeah, or there's probably been more in, in certain matches, I don't know. But yeah, this was a, a disgusting mosh on commentary, but a very good match made famous by A, the return of Roddy Piper and Jimmy Snuka. Incredible spot in Madison Square Garden. The fans went batshit. They didn't quite know what to make of Jimmy Snuka when he came out first, but then after Snuka, immediately the next entrant was Roddy Piper, and man, that crowd, when Roddy Piper's music hits and they know that Snuka's in the ring, do they ever go insane? That's one of the great pops in Royal Rumble history. Uh, and, of course, number 30, 2008, Juan Cena. Yep, yep. Holding yep. it down, doing it right. I'll never forget watching the show live and hearing the reaction that Cena got. Because yeah. this is his return from almost, what, eight months gone? I think it was. I think the big shock was that I think it was in October he pulled his, he pulled his pack. Yeah, it, no. He yeah. was supposed to be gone. Exactly. Like eight to twelve months. Yes. But he made that shocking return in like no yeah, time. Three months or four months yeah. after he should have. And it was it was truly insane. Uh yes. So that was a great Royal Rumble, capped off by a great finish and worthy of their match. And here we go. The final match in the four and a quarter tier, Boris. This is number twelve. This is the last match that is just merely something special. And going forward, from this point, we will be going to another tier of indisputable classics. But this not quite an indisputable classic, still a match near and dear to my heart. The 2018 Royal Rumble men's won by Shinsuke Nakamura with a great performance by Finn Balor. Some some uh, appearances, I think, by a, a lot of young wrestlers who are up and coming. And in a just world, this would have been a Royal Rumble that set up the future of the WWE. Unfortunately, nothing ever changes in this company. I know I've given the internet wrestling community hell about creating stars. But here's a perfect example of you have two natural superstars in the making in Nakamura, yes. in Balor, yes. and other people, and they just sit on them. Like... What? It, it's crazy. Shinsuke Nakamura is only now for the first time in years doing something again. Finn Balor, God bless him. I love Finn Balor's work, but he's killing it on the developmental brand in front of 650,000 
viewers a, a, a week. Like, I don't understand why. I don't get it at all. 2018 could have been an even better match had they decided to capitalize it on, on uh, capitalize on it at all. Very, very good regardless. And Boris, here we go. We're into pure classics at this point. Four and a half elimination matches. 90% A plus by the Canadian grading system. Indisputable classics. Yep. Here we go. Number 11, the 2001 Royal Rumble match. Won by Stone Cold Steve Austin. Kane sets a then record elimination, uh, a record of uh, 12 eliminations. And Drew fucking Carey shows up. Yep. I remember this. Whose line is it anyway? I remember this one really well. (laughs) This is a great match. There's some hardcore wrestling in here. There's There's a little bit of comedy. Everything you could possibly want out of wrestling. This was... The Attitude Era wrapping up. It was wrapping up in front of our eyes. It ended in March of this year, and wrestling would never be this beautiful again. Yep, pretty much. <laughs> Number 10. Uh, oh, man, speaking about when wrestling was beautiful, we're just going to go these, we're just going to do these back and forth uh, in a little pack. We're going to call it the Murderer Pack. <laughs> Number 10, Chris Benoit versus Kurt Angle. Number 9, Chris Benoit versus Chris Jericho in a ladder match. Both of these were indisputable classics at the time. Chris Benoit was beloved. Then he fucking murdered his family. God damn it. Boris? <laughs> I got nothing. Honestly, I got nothing. It's one of those things where I've talked well about Benoit. Yeah. You know my feelings about Benoit. Yeah. I stopped watching wrestling because of Benoit. Hey, same. So same. let's keep going. He was like literally one of my heroes. And it's such a such a disgusting is, thing that happened. Yeah, the shitty part is I feel horrible because it takes away from their from his opponent, right? Mm-hmm. Like the classics that he's had with people like Angle, uh, Lesnar, Guerrero, Jericho. Jericho. Oh yes, yeah. You know, like ah, uh, you just forget about these matches. And they're almost removed from the record. It's almost like taboo to talk about them. It's almost like they don't even count anymore. Yeah. It's, it sucks, man. It's yeah. not fair. It's, but it's, yeah. tab- it's taboo Tuesday man, to talk about them. Taboo Tuesday. I don't know why I ranked these matches like this. I should have just continued this. But uh, Okay, so number eight, Bray Wyatt versus Daniel Bryan, Royal Rumble 2014. Awesome, awesome match. And, and this is really what... The fans, it was almost the final straw for the fans. They watched this match and they were like, fuck, Daniel Bryan just had this match with this guy. Are you kidding me? I want this man to be world champion right now. He's our new Shawn Michaels. He's our new Bret Hart. Give this man the fucking belt. This was the last straw. And when Bryan did not win the 2014 Royal Rumble, all hell broke loose in professional wrestling, Boris. Yeah. Daniel Bryan versus Bray Wyatt. Awesome match. Please watch it if you haven't seen it in a while. Number seven and number six, we're doing a little Royal Rumble pack. These are the bronze and silver medal Royal Rumbles of all time, in my opinion. Here we go. Number two, number seven, the 2004 Royal Rumble, the bronze medal Royal Rumble. Should have been beautiful. Should have been better than it was, but we know how the Chris Benoit story ends. But unfortunately, at this moment, this was... This was this was a great moment to be a wrestling fan when Chris Benoit finally won, when he finally scaled the mountain, when it was finally clear that he was going to get a world title shot. <sighs> it's so sad. Something else. Anyway, number six, the 2020 men's Royal Rumble. Did I overrate it? I don't know. Send all complaints, concerns, and, uh, you know, uh, comments you know to my butt at buttmail.ass. Yes, go Here's on. the thing about the 2020 Royal Rumble. They've had 
32 iterations before this, going yes. into this match. Yes. This match gave us something new. Fresh. Something that we haven't seen. Yes. And probably something we won't see again. And arguably shouldn't, but that's fine because we only needed it once. Yeah, absolutely. This was a unique presentation where Brock Lesnar, as dominant WWE champion, demands to enter the Royal Rumble first because he's going to fucking show everyone that he's the king. He's just going to beat everyone. And for the first 13 entrants, he does. He just throws these bitches out like they ain't nothing, Boris. And I did misspeak earlier when I said that there was that era where the champion could enter as a Royal yeah, Rumble. Yeah. But, you know, this one was different. It definitely. It was it was a champion calling his shot. It was uh yeah, presented as a one time thing. And uh yeah, I think it will be. But yeah, I, I love this match. Not only that, but it is it is instrumental in the career of Drew McIntyre. It is the match that elevated Drew McIntyre. And he is to this day arguably the only good babyface in WWE. Drew McIntyre was the equivalent of Bobby Roode three years ago. Yeah, he was on his level. He lost to Bobby Roode. I only say that because of Dolph Ziggler. Like, he was Dolph Ziggler's laggy. Yeah. Uh, No, absolutely. You know? Like... No, sorry. Yeah, I said he lost to Bobby Roode. He lost the NXT title to Andrade. Yeah. I screwed up my timeline. Continue. Yeah, but what I'm trying to say is that, like... They were able to build him into a star. Yes. Um, the unfortunate thing there is the pandemic hit. Uh, so we don't know how actual uh, popular he is. But, you know, if there's, a, if there's a Hall of Fame award for getting us through a world pandemic, mm. well... He's going to get it. Drew McIntyre is going to be another guy who, like, he's going to be much more appreciated once we get a little distance from what's going on right now. And we yep. see how well he's done with all of these challenges put against him. Drew McIntyre has done a fantastic job as WWE champion. And this match was solely responsible for it. Solely responsible for it. He wouldn't be here without this one. A very important, very good wrestling match. Number six all time in the Royal Rumble. And here we go, Boris. We've entered the top five, finally. Got a drink going. I hope you've uh, stuck with this, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much for listening. We're rolling through quick. Number five, Brock Lesnar versus John Cena versus Seth Rollins, WWE title. Royal Rumble 2015. This match, we watched it together. Yes. Little did I know that, well, not little did I know, but one of the things that I needed to remind myself was this was supposed to be Cena, Lesnar, one-on-one the like this is when the wwe was like oh shit we're hated so much what do we do enter seth rollins best horrible decision they could have ever done because this match was so freaking absolutely good we watched this together a few weeks ago and i was just like we were both floored yeah we were just like yelling at the tv like oh we both forgot how great this match was it's awesome it's a video game match it's finisher finisher weapon this and that but it's spectacular great great match all three guys work hard worthy wrestling match and by far the match of the night in 2015 yep number four awesome wrestling match here 
AJ Styles versus John Cena two the rematch yep. from uh from SummerSlam 2016. This is Royal Rumble 2017. Um, San Antonio, Texas at the Alamo Dome. The king of the Royal Rumble, San Antonio. Uh, so yeah, this match is notable for two reasons. One, AJ Styles and John Cena do not leave the wrestling ring. They have an incredible wrestling match and they don't even hit the floor. Yep. Something I didn't realize. This match is arguably John Cena's best match. It's definitely high on the list. I would say I could you can think of a couple off the top of your head. I don't have this spoiler alert. There's one coming up, but yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I think it's I think John Cena and Styles both do an incredible, incredible job here. Great match. I like it more than their SummerSlam match. Perfect, uh, perfect, perfect little wrestling match. Second thing of note: John Cena ties Ric Flair for the unofficial WWE tallied record for world championships. By my count, Flair has at least 19 or 20, I think. But that's neither here nor there. Um, all and right. Pele has a thousand more goals. <laughs> I love it. Holy fuck. That's perfect. So, yeah, that was match number four in the history of the Royal Rumble. AJ Styles versus John Cena. Match number three in the history of the Royal Rumble. And the final match in our tier for classics. We're only going up from here. John Cena versus Umaga. Last man standing, Royal Rumble 2007. A beautiful wrestling match and arguably the last great moment of Jim Ross and Jerry Lawler's career together. Yeah. Arguably their last great call. Yep. Yep. See, this match, for me, I was already a fan of Umaga. Or as Regal would say, Umaga. Umanga. Umanga. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But... This match just propelled him into that level. He could have been a WWE champion after this match. I would have believed it. If he would have won the title the next day, I would have not batted an eye. He's he was awesome. He was so good. He could sell too, and he can move fast. He was not. Oh, oh, Umaga was an incredible wrestler. God bless his soul. He's a big loss. Yep. Yeah, this match was great. If you haven't seen it in a while, go back. I'm telling you, Jerry Lawler and Jim Ross bring the A-game. Great performance. And here we go. The final two, and we've entered our final tier. These are five-star, five-elimination, 100%, perfect, legendary, beautiful, unfuckwithable wrestling matches. Boris... Preach, buddy. Here we go. And I, you know, it's funny. I knew the, I knew the two. Nah, already. You have to. Yeah, it's, it's pretty clear. But in what order you'll rank them, you know what? Maybe it's different than me. I'll, I'd be willing to hear an argument that I should rank these differently. But this is how I have them at this moment. Number two, Cactus Jack versus Triple H Street Fight WWF Title Royal Rumble 2000 for Madison Square Garden. Triple H would not be here today if it wasn't for this match. Period. This is. Unfortunately, the beginning of the end of McFoley. Oh, I thought you were going to say something else. And unfortunately, <laughs> the beginning of Triple H's Cody reign. Yes. Uh, of anarchy. Yeah. WWE. But all joking aside, you know, this match was so fucking good. Not only was McFoley already legendary because of 98 King of the Ring, but I feel like this set of matches, like yes. this match and the match they had the next month, just put McFoley into legendary yeah, status. To another stratosphere. And the, the whole transformation for Mankind to Cactus Jack was just some some of the best stuff of the year of an already great period of wrestling. Yeah. Yeah. I uh yeah. Classic yeah, 
this match, if we take a look at the story and the timeline, you have to remember that in 1999, SummerSlam, when Triple H um, was like really getting himself out there, um, it was Mick Foley who WWE went with kind of officially in the storyline, um, you know, to to lead the company. Yeah. Um, but Triple H, you know, it's it's my time. Uh, <laughs> that's when he really came out, and and they had about an eight month program before this, which was just capped with two perfect five star matches yeah. and an abysmal. WrestleMania 2004 <laughs> corners match. One of the worst WrestleMania events ever. But yes, this match is as good as professional wrestling can possibly be. It's a beautiful presentation. Please watch it. If you haven't seen it in a while, if you haven't seen it ever, please do yourself a favor. Watch this match. Cactus Jack versus Triple H. Only one time has the Royal Rumble been better, Boris. Only one time. And I think if you even bothered clicking on this, you probably knew where, where this list was going. With a tear in my eye. This is the greatest match in the history of the Royal Rumble 1992. Ric Flair goes from number three to win it all at the Knickerbocker Arena in Albany, New York. In New York, Ric Flair vanquishes all of his old rivals. He goes through Butch. No, he doesn't go through Butch Reed. Sorry, but he goes through. He goes through Kerry Von Erich. He goes through Roddy Piper. He goes through some new rivals that he's going to run into, like Hulk Hogan and this big fucking goofball Sid, also the macho man Randy Savage. He's vanquishing people up and down the card, Greg Valentine. It's just, yeah. And the outsider comes into WWF. Nobody thought he would win, especially... The real world champion. The real world champion. He came in in September wearing a different company's belt, Boris. Yep. And he came into the Royal Rumble at number three, and I'm sure I was only five years old at the time. I wasn't watching live, but I'm sure that everybody who saw that thought, oh, well, fuck, they fucked Flair. Oh, he's going to have a good match. He's going to stay in forever and get thrown out at the end. Whatever, whatever. And then when this man actually wins the match, and not only that, but the promo he cuts afterwards with Gene Okerlund. Masterclass, five-star, 10 out of 10, 100%. And not only that, but we haven't even mentioned Boris. We haven't even mentioned who's the MVP of this match. We haven't even mentioned the, the commentator bra- himself, Bobby the Brain Heenan. This is the greatest performance by a commentator in wrestling history. Bobby the Brain Heenan gives his body and soul. He's sweating. You can hear the sweat pouring out of him. It, this is uh, this is as good as professional wrestling gets. This one-hour presentation is something to behold, Boris. If you want a masterclass of how to bring someone into that next level, watch this match because you get. The full presentation, yep. commentary, wrestling, camera work, That's production, referees, promos, crowd, every single thing about professional wrestling that makes professional wrestling worked out in this match. And this match alone created so many fans Absolutely. of pro wrestling. It's just, it's, it's crazy. It's insane. This match took your real world's champion your NWA champion, and turn him into the WWF superstar. A thousand percent. And yeah, so the, the thing I love about this match is no matter where you are in your wrestling fandom, if you've never seen wrestling before in your life, or if you're a diehard fan who knows every feud that Ric Flair has, you can still 
appreciate how great this match is because it's not there's nuanced storytelling but it's not like it's not so nuanced that you can't see it it's just there are layers that that you just you know you might not know but the the basic storyline of this man going bell to bell fighting all these guys showing like showing everything he has you want to despite the fact that he's low blowing the undertaker and he's he's a he's the dirtiest player in the game you can't help but cheer for this guy by the end of it you can't help it there's a few things like, again, going back to Bobby Heenan, one of the famous calls I remember, and I forget who was in the ring at the time, but it was basically when he was begging, and like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> like, Bobby Heenan was just perfect in this match. Um, you forget the fact that it was a very weird, overbooked ending for the time, with Hogan being a sore loser. Yeah. You know? A terrible baby face. A whore, you know? Hogan is one of the worst <laughs> baby faces in history. Oh. He used chairs. He cheated. He screwed people Wind. in matches. Yeah. Cried. Yeah. He eliminated Sid Justice from the 1992 Royal Rumble. Yeah. Like, anyway, but you forget the fact that this had an overbooked ending for the era. And you just remember the performance that Ric Flair, yeah. Mr. Perfect, and Bobby Heenan gave into this night. I would argue against overbooked as well. I would say heavily booked. They did a lot of things, but overbooked to yeah. me means bad. And I don't think it crossed the you're line right. of being bad. I yeah, think they right. had to do that to set up a number of things. And they, I don't, they chose to set up a number of things because I would have rather have seen Flair just wrestle Hogan at WrestleMania 8 because that's the biggest match they could have done. Neither here nor there. They chose to go Hogan versus Sid Vicious and they set it up this way and it was fun. All right, there you go, 1992 Royal Rumble. I, I don't think it was much of a surprise as the list was going on. And in general, if you know anything about Royal Rumbles, anything about wrestling in general, you know that 1992 Royal Rumble is special to so many people. Well, you know, we're not here to do hot takes for the sake of hot takes, Boris. Let's just, you know... Tell the truth as we see it, as best as that we can represent it. And I uh, thank you very much to anyone who stuck with this the entire way. Uh, I am your greatest fan. Uh, I, I appreciate it so much. And uh, Boris, how are you feeling right now, man? I'm tired. Drinking some, uh, what is this? Black cherry, white claw. Quite a beverage. I got a, I got a mango white claw going here. You know what's sad? That I had to actually look at the label to see what I was drinking. <laughs> I'm quite. I, I sprung these white claws upon you, and for that, I apologize, my friend. But I am grateful because a drink is better than no drink, regardless. Kind of like wrestling. Well, I could yeah. go without like a Mickey James versus Michelle McCool match, but uh, you know, by and large, I would say wrestling. It's always it's always fun. Yeah. So again, thank you to our guests. Thank you, Zane sixty six. Thank you, Mike Fenn. Check out their podcast. We'll put up all the info just so that you can check them out. And uh, I think that uh, I think we're gonna bid everyone a farewell. Uh, also, 
before we go, thanks to Danny, uh, Danny Granger Art, for stopping by in part one. And uh, yeah, if you enjoyed this, uh, feel free to reach out if you'd like to see something in the future. I don't think I, we, neither of us have the stamina to do WrestleMania or even anything else this year. I think we're going to lay low. But maybe we'll come up with another wild, crazy list gimmick to do in the future. And, you know, if you enjoyed any part of this or have any ideas, feel free to, uh, to reach out. Exactly, and there's many ways that you can reach out to us. You can reach out to us on all of the social medias, and by all, I mean Instagram and Twitter, and that's at NXT TLK Podcast. That's at NXT Talk Podcast. You can also email us, and that is show at NXT TLK Podcast.com. That's show at NXT Talk Podcast.com. So, again, you know, the lines are open. You can send us suggestions, you can send us matches, you can send us shows, you can let us know what you want us to review. If you like these types of reviews, these types of lists, let us know what's up and we will uh, try to get it out there for you. Absolutely. As this world slowly opens up, we're going to hopefully be doing some more Toronto independent stuff and and checking out some local shows and things like that. But until then, we're just kind of looking for ideas and trying to try to get some content out there. So, you know, we're open to suggestions and, and we really hope you enjoyed this one. Yeah, so if you're listening to us on the It's Canon podcast feed, make sure to check out Sunday night's main event. Um, that's at SNME Radio on all the social medias. Make sure to check them out on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash SNME Radio. You can find our regular show, NXT Talk, every Wednesday. Well, every Thursday morning it's up. We watch and record on Wednesday. Regardless, it's out on Thursday morning. But... Thank you, everybody. We are the Young Guns. He's Matt. I'm Boris. Goodbye. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks again for listening, guys.